is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, it is December 14th. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the country, ladies and gentlemen, from our Buffalo Bills show to our Jets show to our betting show. And, yes, the Sports Loud Mouths, as always, every Wednesdays and Thursdays. Speedy, what's up? Two, two things I want to give honor mm. to, uh, one of which is uh, my favorite – college football coach and one of the best college football personalities, uh, Mike Leach, unfortunately passing away. So rest in peace, Mike Leach, and sending condolences uh, to his family, his, all his teammates, and everyone that knew him closely. And also a uh, an honorary heart to the uh, 26 victims of the shooting in Newtown. It was 20 to, 20 to 25 minutes where I grew up, and it's 10 years ago today. So that community, those families, my heart goes out to you today on a, what was a very tragic day. My heart goes out to the Boss family. Uh, if anybody doesn't know who he is, he was the DJ. Twitch was the DJ of the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, he has he was found passed away this morning uh, at the age of forty, uh, committing uh, suicide. Uh, uh, my shout out to his family. May he rest in peace. It, it is a sad story, and um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know the full story behind it. I'm sure it was a lot of depression and. You know, something like that. I feel bad for his family, his kids. He, uh, uh, obviously, uh, three children. Wow. And uh, his wife. So uh, my my uh, heart goes out to him uh, and his family. So it, it's it's terrible. It really is. Uh, so many deaths. And, and my father and my mother used to always tell me, deaths come in threes. And you just mentioned three, you know, two guys. I just men- mentioned one. So. Yeah. It, it, it's terrible, and my heart goes out to all the families, the Leach family, the Boss family, and um, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the victims in Newtown, the victims, too, which a lot yes. of them were kids, too, and it was so sad. I, I was in high school at the time when I found out. It was 20, literally 20 minutes from where I was. It was just so sad. We have a great show lined up for you guys. A little bit later, we'll be, we'll be talking to uh, or speaking to uh, co-founder of All 22 Premium uh, Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. And a little bit later in the show, we should have uh, ex-Jags Pro Bowl wide receiver Jimmy Smith. We've been trying to get him on the show for a while. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been wanting to come on, and then by the, end of, you know, by the end of the show, we don't see him and we don't get him on. But I'm hoping that we'll have him on the show 
uh, tonight. It would be great to have him on the show. We have a great show lined up for, for you guys as well. With guests tomorrow, okay. we have ex-NFL players coming on. Uh, but Jimmy Smith, a very well-known wide receiver that played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he was a five-time Pro Bowl player. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, will be joining us a little bit later in the show. Uh, we will get into the Jets. <laughs> Obviously, losing against the Bills 20 to 12. Mike White rushed to the hospital after the game, so we'll get into the Jets in just a few moments. Reports say that OBJ injury is more serious than expected, might not return this season. That's a big loss, and and that might be the reason why T.Y. Hilton is now with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Kyler Murray tears his ACL, uh, non-contact injury, so he will be out for the rest of the season. We'll see when he uh, obviously comes back next year. It might be in the middle of the year because it's yeah. the end of the season. Uh, Giants signed Carlos Correa to a uh, 13-year, $350 million contract. The San Francisco Giants, not the New York Giants. Uh, the Mets signed Japanese pitcher uh, Kadai Singa, Singa I'm sorry, uh, to a five-year, $75 million deal. So the Mets add another pitcher to that roster, which is definitely um, – Asking and pleading uh, for an extra pitcher to that roster. Uh, NFL Week 14 recap. Update playoff picture. Four weeks to go. And the Islanders in talks with the Canucks for center Bo Horvat. So uh, that is the story right now for sports. So why don't we get into it? Because Jeff likes to attack me. And I know Jeff wants to call the show. And a little bit later, Jeff, you're more than welcome to call the show. Not during the monologue. I think he misunderstood what I said about the Jets last week. I said the Jets had an elite defense. Maybe it came out wrong. If I if it did come out wrong, I was wrong and I made a mistake. I apologize, Jeff. But on Sunday, what we saw with the New York Jets, there was a lot of positive things we saw, especially Mike White. Maybe Mike White is the future quarterback for this organization. I don't know. I I am not the GM. I am not Joe Douglas. I am not Robert Sala. I'm neither. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Jets fans think that Mike White could be the future. He could be the franchise. I don't know why they think that. Uh, He hasn't won really that much with the Jets since he's taken over the helm. His numbers look good. He outthrew Josh Allen on Sunday. No question that he did. Josh Allen has not looked good since the Jets game. And I'm not talking, uh, I'm not speaking about the second game. I'm talking about the first game. But what we saw in Buffalo, it was cold again, it was snowy. And, it, and so far, the Jets are 0 2 in the snow and in the cold in Buffalo. We watch this team over and over again. And every single year, they have significant injuries. The Jets have lost five, five offensive linemen this year. Three of them to a season-ending injury. Defensively, their defense is one of the elite defenses in the league. Probably top four. We would say San Francisco one, Cowboys two. Uh, Who would you say three? Probably the Jets. I would say the Jets four. Uh, there was another team that I, w- I was sp- thinking about. I'm not positive. Uh, I'll, I'll get back Cincinnati, to you on that. Maybe? No, not Cincinnati. 
Because they're, they're right now eighth and fifth in most categories. No, I, I wouldn't say Cincinnati. Okay. I think there's another team in front of them. I, I completely forgot. But the Jets' defense has been elite. They really have been. They Maybe. have the best secondary in football. Maybe the Broncos? Was the Broncos no. the other team? Okay. No. Because their defense has played well, too, this no. year. The Jets have been an elite defense. They really have. And we, we speak about Quinn Williams. Quinn Williams really is a breakthrough player. If there was an award for breakthrough player of the year, it would be Quinton Williams. It would be. And his injury, the calf injury against Buffalo, not a significant injury. He might miss one game. He could play this week. It's a 50-50. If I were the Jets, I'd sit him out. I'd make sure that he's at least 85-90% for the next three games of the season because they might need him for the last three games of the season if they want to make the playoffs. The Patriots won this week. They're 7-6. So obviously the Jets losing against the Patriots back-to-back games doesn't really help them. If they end up with the same record, the Patriots would go in. They would make it to the playoffs. The Chargers won this week. They're 7-6. and six. Because of the divisional games, if the Chargers have the same record as the New York Jets, the Chargers would make the playoffs. And the Jets, would they're really uh, on the outs looking in. What I believe with this Jet team is they believe in Mike White. They trust that this kid can get them over the hump and get them into the playoffs. The problem is... He's been the starting quarterback for the last three weeks. And for the last three weeks, with him on at the helm, they've won one game. One. If you look at Mike White's record as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets, he played three, he played in three games last year. He was one and two. This year, he's played in three games. He is one and two. Now, I'm not saying Zach Wilson, and we'll get into Zach Wilson as he has moved up as the backup quarterback. He's no longer sitting, you know, in, I, I guess you can say, street clothes anymore. He is, he is going to be the backup this week. I don't know what that tells you. Unless Mike White gets hurt, Zach Wilson will be still sitting the bench. But Mike White has shown the Jet fan... What it is to take abuse. What it is to be uh, the centerfold of this offense. And really, a guy that's taken a beating. This offensive line isn't 100%. And he has been the guy. The, the guy that Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and uh, obviously Bam Knight. Everybody has speaking and, and has spoken highly of. A guy that's very well respected in the locker room. Robert Sala loves the kid. Joe Douglas, everything that we've seen and what other people have written after the games when they have spoken to him, um, obviously not through the press, but because he only speaks twice a year to the press. He loves what's going on. He loves what this team is and what this team is made of. Are they a playoff-bound team? As of right now, no, they're not. Their record shows that they have a mediocre record. Seven and six. 
is a better record than any Jet fan thought they were going to have going into the last four weeks of the season. And Robert Soller, if you remember what he said at the end of the season last year, he just wants to play meaningful games in the month of December. And the Jets are right there. Everywhere Robert Sala wanted the Jets to be going into the month of December is where he believed they were going to be before the season started. Now, could they get over the hump? They should have beaten Minnesota. They had a chance to beat Buffalo if, obviously, Michael Carter didn't drop the ball on the 50-yard line. Mike White came back not once, but twice in the Buffalo Bills game. It shows you the heart that he has. He knows that if he gets pulled out and he doesn't go back in, he might never get another chance to get back in. And that shows heart. That's something that we have not seen our star young quarterback at number two has been. We sit here today and we could go back and forth on where the Jets are at and what the Jets are as an organization, what these players believe the Jets are going to be by the end of the season. The facts are they're a mediocre team. Offensively, their defense can keep them in the game. Now, obviously, Mosley made a, a, price, a, a priceful mistake at the end of the second quarter, which gave them... A little bit of a boost and obviously gave Knox an opportunity to score a touchdown and go into the half seven to nothing. I never saw anything like that. That was crazy what they did on that fake. We sit here today and and listen, I, I believe the Buffalo Bills are the better team. Even without Von Miller. Even without some of the players that are fighting injury right now for the Buffalo Bills. They're the better team. They are. They're the best team in the AFC East. Does that mean they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. Does that mean if the Jets meet them in the playoffs, if the Jets make the playoffs, can they beat them? They beat them already this year. They had a chance to beat them in in game number two. The questions for the New York Jets are very simple. They have the easiest schedule. Besides the Chargers, and they're in an easy division, they have to play the Rams, uh, also Baker Mayfield. They have to play teams that they can beat, and over the years, they're a team that's mediocre against teams they can beat at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They have done that year after year after year. Including last year against the Raiders. The Jets have a chance in their division because Miami loses, loses another game. They're 8-5 and five right now. The Jets are 7-6. and six. The Patriots are 7-6. and six. If Miami loses next week or this week against Buffalo, they would be eight and six. If the Jets win this week, they're eight and six. If the Patriots win this week, they're eight and six. They have the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, the Josh McDaniels revenge game. (laughs) The division is open. The playoff race is open. Now, the Patriots, after that, They have Buffalo, they have Miami, and I forget the last game that they have. The Bengals. The Bengals. No, the Bengals, I think it's the Bengals, Miami, Buffalo, which is probably the hardest schedule out of all four teams. Now, could the Patriots make the playoffs? We've seen it. 
They can do it. They're a great defensive team. They have a great coach. They can. Are they good enough to make it? That's the question. Offensively, Parker's out. Stevenson could probably be out for the next couple of weeks. I don't know. Where... <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know where he's at as far as health is concerned. If they lose Stevenson, who's been their best offensive option, that could be a big problem. Isn't that what Brian Drake said last week, too? Like, what happens if Ramondre Stevenson gets hurt? David Harris could go right back in, but he's hurt right now, too. So they have their other rookie, Kevin Harris, play. So we don't, we don't know where the Patriots are going to be, okay? Would I trust in the Patriots out of all, all the teams that we mentioned, the Chargers, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins to make the playoffs? Absolutely, because they've done it before. Even with Mac Jones last year. Mac Jones obviously had a great rookie season, was a big part of their success last year. So even out of even out of the quarterbacks that the, obviously of all four te- all, all three teams that we're talking about, when we speak about the Chargers, yes, Justin Herbert probably is the most talented one. He hasn't gotten over the hump. He hasn't beaten anybody. Mike White, give me a break. We we don't know what he is. He's still a backup quarterback. And Miami, Tua, Tua hasn't looked good really since his concussion. He has not played well. And if anybody hasn't heard what Tyreek Hill said at the end of the game about Tua, that he needs to step up, that's alarming too because now Tyreek Hill believes that there is a problem at the quarterback position. That's worrisome against that defense with all those injuries the Chargers have. And they don't have a lot of secondary depth as it is. So, yeah, that was the first, like, real big alarm for Tua. You could give him a pass maybe a little bit with the 49ers, but the Chargers, God, no. Now, going back to what you were saying about the defense before, uh, was Philadelphia the team you were thinking of? Philadelphia, they, yeah, that's they, right. They, were a lot, they have a lot. I, I'm surprised because they haven't been playing well recently besides the Giants game. So I thought the Jets would have been still ahead of them. No, of I think okay. Philadelphia is right. Right, of a little bit ahead of the Jets. I yeah, think they it's are. They are in San Francisco, game, yeah. Cowboys, Philadelphia Jets. Well, yardage-wise, the Jets are actually ahead of Dallas right now. Three hundred. I'm just looking at my eye test, and okay. I think the Jets are the fourth best defense out of all four of those teams. Okay. Yeah, because collectively, even with the stats, the Jets are third best yardage defense, sixth best points defense. I right think now. the Jets have the best secondary out of all four of them. Yeah, they do. I would say I would say so because the Eagles have the little issues with the safeties comparatively to the Jets. I think the Jets have a little more depth in it too. Like the Eagles would probably have the collectively the stars, but the Jets have it now too with Sauce. So even that's kind of close too. And San Francisco's improved secondary, but definitely not the secondary. They're more based in the front seven. But yeah, going back to the the Jets playoff scenarios, they would have to get some kind of consistent passing attack to be able to get it to work. Because I don't think so. Not against these three teams that they're going to be playing for the next couple of weeks. You can run the ball against the Lions. You can run the ball against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you could also run the ball against Seattle. Seattle had a problem last week stopping the run, yeah. even though they won. Okay, so it, 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 is, it is a big problem for all three of those teams in stopping the run. Now, Bam Knight has proven to the Jets that he is the starting. He is the number one running back. And what a find for the New York Jets. Undrafted running back. Joe Douglas really liked him. Invite him to the camp. And he's played very well. And then he, he was waived. And then he was brought back on the practice team. And then finally, after they made a move for Robinson... They, they watch Bam, and Robinson's still under trying to figure out the offense. They said that Bam's more of a guy that understands the offense. He's, he's a downhill type of runner, and that's what the Jets are looking for. And they brought that guy 
in as a, a Bam Knight taking a chance on him, and he has been successful for the New York Jets. Michael Carter has not been. Ever since he's come back from his ankle injury, he hasn't been the same player. And now you look at the Jets in the big picture right now. Are they going to make the playoffs? If you were to put a gun to my head, the answer would be no. If you would put a gun to my head right now, it would be no. So you're gonna, you thinking they're going to lose one of those other three games? Besides, Listen, you're playing. Miami. I, I'll say this: they're playing. They're playing this week against the Lions. The Lions are five and one in the last six games. They've been one of the best teams in the league, and they've beaten a lot of good teams. Yeah. A lot of good teams. The Jets have to play them at home. Now the advantage goes to the Jets, even though they're more of a better away team this year. I still think the Jets will have a little bit of an advantage in this game. Not by much, but a little bit of advantage. Just because they're home. But then they have to play Jacksonville on Thursday. Their first primetime game is Thursday. And they have to, it's a short week for the Jets. Yet playing with Mike White, who has injured, he has injured ribs. He's not 100%. That would scare me if I was a Jet fan. You're playing a Jacksonville Jaguar team that's hot, too. They're playing good football. Their defense is playing great. And Trevor Lawrence, in his last, what, four games, he has 12 touchdowns and almost, I think it's like 1,800 yards and, and no, no interceptions. interceptions. Yep. So that that's scary, too, because Trevor Lawrence is starting to figure things out. He has the best passer rating of any quarterback the last four games, 150. That's not saying much because so, so did Zach Wilson last year at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, so did Zach Wilson at the end of the season. But yeah, So that re- really doesn't say anything. But the reason I say that they need a consistent passing attack is because we've seen so far in Mike White's three games, Garrett Wilson go off, but where is that second guy? Corey Davis was good in certain points against Minnesota, and Elijah Moore was good at certain points against the Bears, but it's not consistent enough, and that's what teams with good coaching staffs could try to take away, especially you look at Seattle, too. Yeah, their defensive talent is not where it was, obviously, in their peak, but they still have a lot of, they still have Pete Carroll there, and they still have a, a couple good young defensive players that if Tariq Woolen takes out Garrett Wilson or contains him, where is that second guy going to be go to? Yes, the Seattle Seahawks have had trouble against the run, and I agree with you on that. Jacksonville does not have trouble against the run. They've actually been pretty good against the run this year. Detroit, you're right. Kind the of last couple of games, they have had problems stopping the run. The, yeah, they were good in the beginning of the year, but they have been. what it is is they have been good against good backs, though, too. Like They've done well against Jonathan Taylor. They did well against Saquon for the most part against when they played the Giants. Like I, I would say... Because you know that the Giants are going to rely on their running game. The Jets... They're going to rely on the running game, but they have weapons. Now, Corey Davis might not play this week. The concussion protocol, uh, the guy can't stay healthy. But Elijah Moore, uh, Garrett Wilson, Conklin, Osuma, they have weapons in the open field. They can use their deep threat weapons. Now, Barrios, for the last couple of weeks, even though Mike White likes to throw to him, I think the Jets need to lay off throwing the ball to Barrios. Mm. They need to use their other weapons. Garrett Wilson, mostly every every other play, he is open, and the Jets need to use Garrett Wilson as the the weapon or the decoy to open up the running game. Because to me, if the Jets are going to win these, these next three games, or win two out of the three, and they need to win two out of the three games, they need to go into playing Miami with nine wins. They need nine wins. Because I believe whoever has ten wins out of all these teams they're going to make the playoffs. I think the Patriots, they have a long way to go. Now, obviously, they're 7-6 seven seven like the Jets. But after this coming week, their schedule is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Really hard. 
And it's going to be harder for them to get to 10 wins. Chargers, I don't know if I can bet on the Chargers. Now, I think they have the easiest schedule out of all three of them. Yeah, Tennessee's their last hard game on paper. But they've had trouble against the Broncos in terms of playing close games. Um, Jeff is on. Do you want me to put him through before our guest? or Uh, You'll have to call back. All right. Jeff, call back after our guest. Jeff is going to want to say a lot. And... Um, we have Chris coming on in just a few moments. Yeah, I, I don't want to hold him up uh, for Jeff because I know he's going to attack everything that I'm saying. Right. Now, what I was saying about the Chargers versus the Broncos, though, is they, they've always played close games, though. So it wouldn't surprise me if Denver randomly upset that game because they, the Raiders did it a couple of weeks ago, too. They always play close games. The Raiders beat the Chargers. And they've always had tr- – I don't think they've swept a division opponent in, since, like, 2013 or something like that. So you're right. So that, that could be a trap game, too. The Chargers, I think, 9-8 and eight right now is what I'm thinking, which is what the Jets are going to have to get to because, they, because the Chargers – Now, if the, the Jets win all three of these coming games, if they beat – the Lions, the Jaguars, Lions and Tigers, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Lions, Jaguars, and the Seattle Seahawks, then they're in the playoffs. No matter what happens in that Miami game, I believe the Jets make the playoffs. Even if they lose the Miami Miami Dolphins game, I think they make the playoffs. But they have to. They have to win at least three of these next four games. If they win three of the next four games, they make the playoffs. Because I don't know if Miami's going to be able to. Their schedule is really, really hard. The Patriots' schedule in the next couple of weeks, they're not, they're not easy either. Brutal. I think the Jets and the Chargers have the easiest way to making the playoffs. They do. Both, both teams. Now, I think the Chargers, obviously, number one. The Jets, number two. Then I would say Miami and then the Patriots. Yeah, Miami still gets the benefit of the doubt just being a game up right now. Because if they if they somehow do steal one of those games that they uh, that, that are the quote-unquote hard games, then they'll be fine. Now, they do get to play the Packers, too, who are pretty – or should be easy. And the Packers are trying to win right now. They're trying to win, but I think Miami matches up well against them. You're right. Now, the question is with the Jets and the Bills, that's going to be the two harder games for them – at the end of the season. So if they if they lose and stumble all that, yeah, maybe they miss the playoffs completely. And they have to find a way to win with Mike White. These next two games are so crucial for the New York Jets. So crucial. I know it's back-to-back. It's it's within, what, within four games. Four days, I'm sorry. They're playing, obviously, the Lions on Sunday. And, and then they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on the fifth day, they have another game against Jacksonville on Thursday Night Football, which could cost the Jets the season. If the Jets lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night, and we we all thought it was going to be Zach versus Trevor Lawrence, the two, the number one and number two guys in the, in the draft two years ago, it's not. It's going unless Mike White gets hurt, which maybe this is a setup for the Jets. Oh. Maybe this is a setup, setting up Mike White if he gets hurt. Because he has hurt ribs in this game against the Lions. You bring Zach Wilson in against Trevor Lawrence. And maybe if he wins this game against Trevor Lawrence, every fan will shut up and say, hey, Zach Wilson is our franchise quarterback again. I don't know what the Jets are planning. Maybe Zach Wilson earned that spot. Joe Flacco definitely didn't earn coming into the game last week, having one play and dropping the ball and fumbling the ball. He, he looks old. He looks like he's 60 years old. He shouldn't be on the field. Zach Wilson should be the backup. Do I trust Zach Wilson in a big game? I do not. Trade Flacco back to the Ravens. <laughs> I would probably trust Strevler over Zach Wilson right now. 
And that's that's crazy from a from a CFL guy that was in a championship game and looked really, really good in the preseason. I would trust Strevler if worse comes to worse, Mike White can't play or he's not eligible to play in the second half of the Lions game. I would trust Strevler over Zach Wilson right now. Just because I just don't know what Zach Wilson is anymore. Is this guy really lost the locker room? And if he lost the locker room, ladies and gentlemen, are they going to play for him? That's the problem. If these players don't trust him and they don't like him, why would they try to block for him? They would want him to get hurt. Now, I don't believe that any of these players are going to let their player get hurt. But again, I've seen crazier things. And I've heard crazier things. Uh, before we go to break, uh, just shout out to John Ferris in the in the comments section. And I'm not reading all the comments, but uh, snug odds are Matthew Judon is not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. No. It's, it's going to be either Parsons or Bosa, probably. Parsons or Bosa. You know, Quinn Williams is definitely going to be up there, too. For, this is a defensive def- defensive lineman, defensive tackle, whatever nose tackle, whatever position he plays in the middle. This is a guy that's getting triple team, and he still has 11 sacks. I mean, that's pretty amazing yeah, when you're seeing a guy – dominate the middle of the field, and he's getting double, triple teamed, and he's still getting to the quarterback. That tells you. And remember, they're rushing four guys. They're not blitzing like Parsons and the Cowboys. There is no blitzes for the Jets. As a matter of fact, the Jets have blitzed the least amount out of any team in the NFL this year. The Jets. And that tells you how dominant their front four has been all season long. And that's talking about, you could speak about Lawson and Rankins and obviously Franklin Myers. And, and then uh, you bring in different players to move and maneuver as your, your front four. Even Jermaine Johnson, when he has played, and by the way, he has barely played this year when he, do, and when he is healthy, he's looked good when he plays. So their front seven has been pretty good, and, and, and the Jets can get at you just as well as any of the top three defensive teams that we have mentioned. When we come back, we'll be talking to co-founder of All-22 Premier Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi, here on the Sports Loud Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, 631 Six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Live shows. They're not podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. They're not podcasted until the end of the live show. You can call the shows. You can interact with all the different personalities on the shows. So they're fantastic. Check out our website. And by the way, Check out the Sports Loudmouths. As you know, you are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Uh, we are live every Wednesday and Thursdays. Wednesdays at 7 p.m., three-hour show to 10, and then obviously Thursdays at 9 p.m. to midnight. So uh, stay tuned tomorrow. We have a great show. We have a great show obviously lined up right now. We have our first guest. We are now talking to co-founder of All-22 Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Are you related to the Lombardi family, Chris? I am not, but I just had to sit here and listen to... The hatred for the Green Bay Packers. That was that was hurtful, guys. That was hurtful. I'm not I don't hate the Green Bay Packers. I, I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I, I speak highly of Aaron Rodgers, even though he took $50 million at the, uh, in the offseason and really hurt their chances of bringing back um, Adams or maybe another weapon to add uh, to that arsenal. They don't have an arsenal. Watson looks like he's turning into an, a, a pretty good player and I mm-hmm. like what I've seen with Love. I think Love is the future and maybe in the offseason they have to part ways 
uh, have to part ways with Aaron Rodgers and move on to Jordan Love, which quite possibly could happen. But before we get into that. that. Right? Yes. Is it going to be? Is it going to be to the Jets? Do you want Aaron Rodgers? Uh, you know, it's so funny, and we'll we'll get into that before we get into that. How are you? How are you and your family doing from the COVID situation? And really, uh, how are you doing with uh, football and your fantasy stuff this year? My family's great. Um, it's been an amazing, you know, few years for my family. You know, the pandemic hit mm-hmm. hard, but actually, I got married during the pandemic, so you know, there was a lot of positivity. Still in there. You look um, like you're 15 adopted. years old and you're married. <laughs> 15. Uh, I, I just turned 30. So, oh, oh, well, yeah, okay. just have a young face. Thank you, though. Yeah, you look good, man. And uh, I'm happy that your family is uh, healthy. You got married. So mm-hmm. uh, any uh, powdered feet? No, 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 no. Okay. But how about you guys? How's your families? Ah, oh, my family is good. Uh, you know, it's crazy. It's been a crazy year. I lost a couple of very close family members. Uh, Speedy lost a, a grandfather in the beginning of the year, so it's been it's been it's been a little bit rough with everything that's going on with the COVID situation and all the you know not even just the pandemic. Uh, I mean the drugs and and all the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on and and you know, war and political crap. It's just yeah. been nutty, but. Uh, Happy that you're on and uh, yeah. to get back into the whole Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. I know a lot of people are speaking about it, that if the offseason opens up and Zach Wilson isn't the guy or maybe they think he's a he's a he's a bench quarterback right now. He needs to learn under a veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. Could they go after Aaron Rodgers? Could they go after a car or a Jimmy Garoppolo? Absolutely. But again, a lot of the Jet fans now here in New York. Like this kid, Mike White, he's 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. If he can prove that he can get this team in the playoffs and maybe win a playoff round, do they really need to go after an Aaron Rodgers to hurt their salary cap? Do they really need to go after a Derek Carr or, or Jimmy Garoppolo? They're going to be asking for $25 million. You got to pay Quinn Williams. You have to pay Quincy Williams. You have to pay uh, Kawan uh, Alexander. Um, there's so many you know, diverse things that the Jets have done over the last couple of years that has affected um, going into the season and their salary cap. Uh, I think Joe Douglas is a very smart man. And as good as Aaron Rodgers is as a starting quarterback, I don't see Joe Douglas digging into the Jets' pockets, even for one year, and paying him $50 million when you also have to give up you know, prospects for Aaron Rodgers. You might have to give up a first-round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers if you think you're going to win, and maybe a third. Are the Jets willing to give up their first and their third this year to land Aaron Rodgers for one year, which might still not give them an opportunity to win a Super Bowl? So I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Joe Douglas is thinking. Are they a year away from winning a Super Bowl? I do believe next year is their year. Elijah Vera Tucker will be back. Brees Hall Hall will be back next year. Makai Beckham, if he can actually stay healthy, he'll be back next year. They have all their draft stock. They they still have salary uh, room to wiggle with. Corey Davis Mm -hmm. could be off this roster. They have good weapons like Garrett Wilson and Bam Knight and Michael Carter and an offensive line that could get younger with, obviously, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Beckham. So I, I don't know what he, he's thinking going into this offseason. I don't think they're thinking about anything this offseason because they're thinking about this season because they have a chance to make the playoffs for the first time in, in about 13 years. Got to love that. I'm, a, I'm actually a New Yorker too. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I've been following the Jets. I'm a Packer fan, but I've been following the Jets. I always like to see them succeed. Mike White's been impressive, so I, I don't blame you, right? And he's he's actually scored pretty well in PFF and, and in the All-22 fantasy game. So I think the prospects are good with him. You know, I could see the Jets really giving him a shot. But people, you know, we can't forget that Aaron Rodgers is coming off of back-to-back MVPs. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, losing your top receiver and not having much after that, there's a reason why he's not playing at the level he was the past couple of years. I don't think he lost it. I think the the pieces around him haven't been as good. He's playing with a different offensive line every, every game, right? Like his uh, Bakhtiari has been out for chunks of the season. Uh, Jenkins has been moving around, you know, like there, there's been a lot of uh, kind of vitality on that offensive line and, and in that receiving group. So I think you plug Aaron Rodgers into the jets right now, if they were able to keep all the other pieces, they're a super bowl team. I'll stand by that. Now, as a Packer fan, like you, there was speculation of them trading him last year, too. And we were both thinking that he was going to get traded to the Broncos at the time. I think the, the mm-hmm. Raiders were in the mix, too, if they swapped with Carr because uh, Devontae Adams wanted to go play in Vegas. They could have traded both of them there. Now, this year, being that he's coming off still statistically a pretty good season considering the circumstances, but still now with a $50 million deal, like, do you feel like they still should try to do it considering they might get less value? Or do you think you, they ride him out one more year and then let Jordan Love take over from there? That's a good question. I mean, if, if I, if I was in the GM seat and again, in all 22 fantasy, that's kind of what you get to do. But if I was in that GM seat, trade Aaron Rodgers, I try to get a first round pick for him. I think they could get a little more than that, but say you get a first round pick, you got to give Jordan Love a chance before he's off that rookie contract. If you don't do that, right. And you ride with uh, Aaron Rodgers again, and that team starts to fall apart around him and you don't know what you have at Jordan Love and he's in a contract year now, what do you have after that? Right. You're going to have to sign Jordan Love based on nothing, I don't think the, I don't think the Packers do that. No, I don't think so either. As everybody knows, we are talking and speaking to co-founder of All Twenty Two Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. And 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 the thing is, this off season is, is so wide open. You have all these quarterbacks who we have never seen a quarterback class of obviously franchise quarterbacks that could be available this offseason. You have Derek Carr. He is a franchise quarterback. Now, has he won anything? No, but he was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago before he hurt his leg. Uh, he, he made a, a huge amount of money over there with the Raiders. Uh, he could be on his way out. Uh, even with DeAndre, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Adams going back, going to where he, he wanted to play with his favorite player. And then... Obviously, we mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy already said that he would love to go back to San Francisco. Is that going mm-hmm. to happen? I don't know if San Francisco is going to be able to pay him $25, $20 million next year. So he's probably not going back there. You have Lamar Jackson, who hasn't signed a contract. Now, they could franchise him. Just because they franchise him doesn't mean that he can't be traded. So yeah. he could be available this offseason as well. So there are, there are tons and tons of options for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers we just mentioned. So there are tons and tons of options for the Jets. Now, going into the New York Jets, Zach Wilson has been getting killed from the press, from the fans, maybe because he, he hasn't taken any responsibility for, the, for what the Jets were offensively when he was behind the line and he was the, un, under the helm as the captain, the leader of this team. Maybe so. He has now moved up from the guy that's been sitting the bench to the second guy, the backup quarterback. Is this, uh, you know, and we've heard Robert Salas say it really The last couple of weeks, we haven't seen the last of Zach Wilson. We haven't seen the last of Zach Wilson. If Mike White loses this week against the Lions or gets hurt this week, do they go back to Zach Wilson 
and, and give him an opportunity to finish out the season and then decide in the offseason that Zach Wilson isn't the guy. We trade him. We'll get a second and a fourth like we did for Sam. Or we get a third and a fifth like we, you know, so we can add more, you know, draft options to maybe go after a quarterback. Or, hey, maybe decide to bring in a veteran quarterback. Do you think the Jets are going to, if they lose this week, going to give Zach Wilson an opportunity to come back and try to win? No, I think your coach is doing a great job of of keeping keeping Zach Wilson's name out of the mud. You know, I think that's what he's trying to do. I think it says a lot that he didn't dress last week. You know, uh, he actually wasn't the number two quarterback. Flacco was, right? Zach Wilson didn't dress. That says to me that they are done with Zach Wilson. If I'm a Jets fan, I would just be ready for the future being either Mike White or then going and getting a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I think Derek Carr ultimately stays there because. They uh, are locked in with Josh McDaniels, and I don't think they're going to just let him kind of blow it up, right? They, they invested in Devontae Adams. What are they going to draft a rookie quarterback to go have? You know, it's like giving, giving a baby the keys to a Lamborghini, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that, right? So they're going to keep Carr, but Jimmy Garoppolo could be the guy. Um, and, you know, the fact is that Jimmy Garoppolo has won a lot of games, right? He's won a lot of playoff games. He's made it to a Super Bowl. There's not a lot of um, other quarterbacks that can say that. And Derek Carr is even one of those quarterbacks that can't say that. Uh, so is that the worst thing for the Jets? I don't think so. But uh, is, is, is he a good enough player to get you excited about? No, I, and, I, and I understand that. I feel bad for Derek Carr. The year he got hurt, I thought the Raiders had the best chance in the AFC of knocking off the Patriots that year. That team was loaded, and then they dismantled it two years later, and then got kind of John Gruden and the rest is history. But if they keep going with Josh McDaniels, have fun blowing all those double-digit leads because they have already blown four of them this year, first time since 1930. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's sad because Derek Carr is such a promising quarterback. It must be the Carr name, right? This, these promising quarterbacks enter the league mm. and get stuck in these terrible situations, and they just – can't seem to get out of it. Oh, I remember David. And I remember when the Texans drafted him and everybody said he was the next coming quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they just didn't build the team right. And we've seen this before. Yeah, we've seen so many different quarterbacks come into the league. They're the next big superstar. And they just never built the team around him right. And he was getting killed and concussions and, and, and just could never stay healthy. And, and then he eventually became the backup quarterback for Eli Manning. And he was a pretty good backup, but we, we will never know what David Carr could have been because the Texans didn't really put the right players around him to be successful. Maybe people are saying that about the Jets. Are, they're not putting the right offensive line in front of them. They're not putting the right weapons. I'm sorry to say that. We, we've seen what Garrett Wilson is. Garrett Wilson's going to be a top he is going to be a top five wide receiver in the next three years. Brees mm-hmm. Hall could be the, the, the to, a top three running back in the next couple of years. They have Elijah Moore. Even though he needs to shut his mouth and stop saying stupid things on and off the field, the guy can make plays. And, and Denzel Mims is finally becoming the player they thought he was going to be when they drafted him from Baylor in the second round. And Joe Douglas looks pretty good now with uh, Denzel Mims as maybe the guy that's going to take over for Corey Davis. So, I, I mean, the Jets are in a position where they can be successful. The question is, do they have the right pieces with the right quarterback to eventually be a Super Bowl contender. Because we have never, even with Rex Ryan, when they went to back-to-back AFC title games, um, Chris, we have never heard that the Jets were in a, was an elite team or a Super Bowl contending team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think right now you can, you can honestly say that the Jets have an elite defense. You know, and, and it's been a while since you can say that the, the Jets have been drafting these defensive players every year. 
me and the uh, the co-founders of All22, we say it. We're like, wow, the Jets killed it this draft. They got the best players. Uh, can't believe guys like Leonard Williams fell to them, right? It's like year after year, we're saying these things, but they just haven't panned out. But now, finally, they have this elite defense. I think it is a Super Bowl defense. The offensive line is good enough, right? And And the guys at PFF preach this all the time. You don't need an elite offensive line. You need an offensive line that's stable and at least league average, and you need elite weapons. And Garrett Wilson is an elite weapon. Uh, he looks like he's, you know, I don't want to say this, but he's Justin Jefferson-esque, mm-hmm. right? He, he, he's a great route runner. He makes big plays. He's always getting open, uh, and he's fast. So, you know, you, you, have, you have the pieces. You need a quarterback. You need a quarterback that can lead you to wins week after week. I think Mike White is doing a great job. I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback. I think that's that's going to be the Jets offseason. So I want to go to fit from a fantasy standpoint. Now we look at all the quarterback injuries that have happened the last couple of weeks with uh, Kyler Murray this week and then Lamar Jackson, Jimmy G. Obviously, Brock Purdy stepped in and did very well. But again, what do you think for the those teams offensive skill players? Should you be worried about any of them with the Ravens, the Cardinals, the 49ers, et cetera? Yeah, so I think all 22 does a really good job of separating uh, individual player performance, right? So PFF grades a player on a zero to 100 scale and all 22 uses that PFF grade as the mechanism for their scoring, right? So if Garrett Wilson goes out there and runs excellent routes, every single route, and he's open every single route, he's going to get a really good grade. It, it does not matter if he gets the ball. Uh, him getting the ball only can make that better for him, right? Him making plays with the ball in his hand only helps. Um, but Garrett Wilson can still have a great all 22 score just by doing what he needs to do uh, to be successful. And that even includes blocking. We are talking to co-founder of All 22 Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Uh, I did ask him if he was related to the Lombardi family. He is not, but nevertheless, this guy as knows what he's talking about. related to Joe Lombardi. We know, okay. what he's, we know he knows what he's talking about. So why don't we get into what we have seen so far in the AFC. The AFC was... Everybody thought was a quarterback conference, all these great quarterbacks. Russell Wilson has been a complete bust this year. Uh, maybe it's because of the coach. Maybe it's because of the team around him. Maybe he's just not any good, okay? And that's that's pretty much what it's showing right now. He made a lot of money this offseason. He, he's, he's getting paid definitely more handsomely than he is on the field. That's for sure. Uh, Aaron, I mean, it's, I almost said Aaron Rodgers, but Justin Herbert, the Chargers, everybody thought that this defense was going to be an elite defense. They lost so many pieces this year. Bosa might be back next week, but it's still not the same defense they, they started the season with. And offensively, they just have fallen off. They, they can't run the ball now. They can't, in certain aspects of the game, they can't even throw the ball. So, uh, it's not Justin Herbert's fault. I think it has a lot to do with the coaching and where this coaching is going. Uh, and really, the AFC East, which has been, uh, honestly, the best division in football. It really has been. When you look at uh, the Buffalo Bills, and everybody says, well, they've looked mediocre the last... They've they've won ten games. I mean, how mediocre can they be? They're ten and three. I mean, the yes, the Dolphins haven't looked good the last two weeks, but the Dolphins have looked good. They have Waddle and Tyreek Hill, who's the the leading wide receiver in the league with catches and yards per catch. And I mean, he's been unbelievable. And then then you have the Patriots. Even though they're not the same old Patriots, they have slowly but surely found ways to win and be very gritty, and, and this secondary has been a lot better than anybody thought they were going to be. They're playing good football. And then the Jets, 
what are your thoughts to the the AFC and this race for the playoffs? Who do you think will win out and make the playoffs out of the four teams that are going to be fighting for it for the next four weeks? Out of the AFC East teams, or yes. just yeah. The AFC so East. I mean, I think I think the Bills are a lock, right? I mean, I think right now they're the one seed, so they're they're in. Uh, exactly what you said, right? Everybody's saying, oh, they've looked bad, but you know what? They've won, right? And good teams find a way to win, and I think that says a lot about them. Um, I think it also says a lot that they didn't go and uh, pay a fortune for OBJ. They they took Cole Beasley instead. So, you know, they know what they need to succeed. I think they're going to do everything that they um, need to do to get there. Great move, so, by the way. But great move, by the way. Even though he hasn't played, move. I think Cole Beasley, he was a big piece of this offense. And he knows, and he knows uh, Josh Allen. He knows how he plays. He knows how to go for the ball. So I, I think it was a great move by them. Agreed. So the Bills are in. Um, I think the Dolphins are in, uh, you know, one thing, Mike McDaniels, everybody, you know, will say it. he's been a revelation for that team in the last couple of weeks. It seems like teams have started to figure him out, uh, but great coaches adjust. Right. And I think he is a great coach and he will adjust and the, and the Dolphins will be fine. Uh, I think Taron Armstead not being healthy has been a huge part of that. Right. Two has been getting hit a little bit more. Uh, there's been some tough matchups there, but I do think the Dolphins find a way to get in. Now you're talking about the Jets and the Patriots as the two remaining teams fighting for some of those last playoff spots. I think the Jets with Mike White are going to have a really hard time, but um, I think that they very well could find a way to get in there. Do they? I think ultimately no, sadly. Um, But you know what? Again, that might be to the Jets' benefit, right? It just makes your draft pick that much more valuable this year, and it might help you go get a quarterback. I also don't think that the Patriots are going to make it in because of the – I think a team like the Chargers – they get Bosa back, right? Like a team like that is going to be much more competitive towards this towards the end of the season than than I think the Patriots. They will. also get Derwin James back in the next week or so too, so right. that that gives them a, a a nice secondary piece. That even though their secondary has played very well, even last week in their game, yeah. uh, their secondary played all all world, and and that's what you need. Mm-hmm. And that that's a, that says a lot about obviously uh, the defensive minded uh, coach that they have over there. Who I think. Could I don't know if he will get a coaching job in the offseason because I think there'll be five jobs that will be available. But uh, there are quite a few coaches, that defensive-minded coaches, that, that could get a job, including the New York Jets, or, 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 um, Ehrlich, who, uh, who a lot of people like and like what the Jets have done this year. They said DeMarco yeah. Ryan, so the 49ers, is like a guaranteed lock to get a head coaching job next 100%. year. A hundred percent, yes. Okay, Chris, what you were saying? No, yeah, that's all true. Uh, no, I just wanted to point out as well, like, you know, Justin Herbert, let's just talk about him for a second, right? I think they said he's had um, – he doesn't have a, rece- like a, a receiver within like the top 20 in receiving yards or something like Which that. Which is yet crazy. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards already. Um, Justin Herbert doing this without Rayshon Slater, who got hurt very early on in the season, right? Who in all 22 was like our second or third ranked tackle overall. Still able to be successful the way he's been has been absolutely incredible. I think it says a lot about him. And to your point, right, that defense has been playing with a lot of missing pieces and mm-hmm. being able to compete. But they have those pieces coming back. I think Herbert has shown that he'll just put the team on his back and play six, good, good, solid football. Um, and he'll find a way to make plays. So with with that combination, I'm very confident that the Chargers will. I'm sure will the Dolphins find a, find a way to get in. I'm sure the Dolphins are really upset after drafting two when they could have had Justin Herbert, and mm-hmm. uh, that will that will come back to maybe haunt them. Even though Tua's had a good season, it still it still should worry you as a Miami Dolphin fan when you play 
you play against the the same quarterback that you could have drafted, and that quarterback absolutely demolished you, cut you apart, cut your defense apart, and you have one of the top ten defenses in all of football. That says a lot about Justin Herbert and what he has done and really put the team on his back. They should have won that game by like 14 at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then they get the Chargers. They'll find a way to make it weirder and uh, make it a lot closer than it should be. So what, so what do we think about Tua? So Tua in all 22, he was kind of like a middle-of-the-pack quarterback at the beginning of this year. But he's played from a PFF grading perspective extremely well this year. He's, I believe, the top-graded quarterback. If he's not, he's number two. Um, and I think we've seen that throughout the season. But do we think that he, one, can stay healthy? And two, does he have what it takes to lead this team to, to the Super Bowl, right? Because that's the ultimate goal. Is he a good enough player to get that team there? I think he is. I, I think yeah. you can win with Tua. I, I don't know in the big game, is he going to choke? We have seen quarterbacks of his his talents, Lamar Jackson being one of them, likes to use his legs, move out of the pocket and throw the ball. Even though Tua is more accurate than Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. there's no question that he is. Lamar Jackson's faster, and mm-hmm. he can get out of problem trouble outside of the pocket. I don't know if Tua can, and he, this is a guy that has like a million concussions. Is he willing to get hit again and be out for a significant amount of time? Or maybe his career is over if he gets hit like that again. So I think that's the most important thing is protecting this guy. And in the offseason, in the draft, I think that's where the, the Dolphins need to figure out where they're going with? I don't even think they have a first round draft pick this year. No, do they? they don't, because they decided to tamper for Tom Brady and Sean Payton. So there you go. So Miami is already behind the eight ball going into the draft this year, and mm-hmm. and and they've they spent a lot of money this offseason for an offensive lineman, for other pieces, Tyree Kill yeah. being one of them, and uh, maybe they extend Waddle at the end of the season just just to probably make him happy, uh, mm-hmm. because in two years he's going to be a free agent. So I I don't. I don't know where they're going to go when it comes to uh, how they're going to spend their money, but it, it doesn't look – it doesn't bode well for Miami. The Jets are going to be better. The Patriots are going to have a lot of money. They're going to be better. Buffalo needs a running back, and they, that's really all they're missing. If they find one, they're going to be pretty good too. So even though that division is stacked, as much as everybody mm-hmm. says Miami is an up-and-coming team and they're the most – they look like the most improved team – I, it would scare me if I'm a Miami Dolphin fan. I don't have a first-round draft pick this year. I have made a lot of interesting decisions in the offseason on spending money in my pocket when I, I'm going to have very little money in the offseason next year to spend. So it's going to be interesting on how smart the GM over there is going to be when it comes to free agency. Yeah, and I, nobody's talked about it yet. I haven't heard a single person say it, but the Bradley Chubb trade, right? Yep. Exactly. That, that defense got destroyed last week. So how much of a difference is Bradley Chubb really making? That first-round pick could have been used on an offensive lineman to help Tua, right, mm-hmm. to protect Tua. Uh, they passed on Sewell, right, for Jalen Waddell. So just passing on offensive linemen repeatedly and Tua still getting hit and having injuries, it's, it's concerning to me. It's definitely concerning to me. They haven't drafted him well either. They, the ones they drafted even in the, in the first round haven't been great. Outside of Robert Hunt, who's been pretty good, like a lot of the ones they brought in are free agents. They're not really their homegrown guys. So uh, my question is, uh, I know you're an NFC North guy. Um, by the way, one of our fans actually has a comment too. Uh, uh, ben, who's also a Packers fan, says they should go after Joe, Jim Leonard to be their defensive coordinator. 100%. That's, that's definitely an 100%. interesting move. Uh, but my question is about uh, the, two te- the, the other two teams, Minnesota and Detroit, that have been kind of contenders. The Lions hot. They just beat the Vikings. Uh, are they a playoff team? And the Vikings too. They're kind of like that polarizing team. Some people think they're overrated. Some people think they're, think they're legitimate and good. I think they're good, but I still think they're th- behind the 49ers and the Eagles. Do you, where do you stand on the Vikings and the Lions? 
Yeah. Well, first I'll just say, you know, yeah, Leonard would be a great addition to the Packers staff. Uh, do we make him defensive coordinator? I don't know. But if we could get him to be a part of that staff, I think that'd be huge for the for the Green Bay Packers. I heard so Jacksonville's I interested it. in him too. So, oh, come on, he's going to stay up north. Don't don't, don't jinx me like that. <laughs> but but uh, the the Lions, right? Let's start there. This this team is ready, right? They have an offensive line almost better than anyone else's in the league. And they have a defense that's now starting to come out of its shell. And, and those young guys are starting to make an impact. Uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson starting to make plays. They have guys on the interior too, right? It's, it's, it's so important. Dan Campbell likes that gritty guy. And they start, they're starting to have a few of those guys in the middle. Offensively, Jamison Williams coming back. You know, I think you don't need to have, like, uh, with a receiver like that. And people are going to, again, right, they're going to talk about fantasy football. Jamison Williams, I think, has only had one catch in two games. And it was that long touchdown. So he hasn't been production from a fantasy perspective, but all 22 fantasy, he has been successful, right? Because sometimes you just need to do your job. And if a guy's running a 4-2-4-3, all you need him to do is take the top off because defenses are going to sit back and it's going to open up the underneath, right? And that's what the Lions need. You have a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown who can take advantage of that. You have you have um, uh, Swift out of the backfield that's you know, starting to come out as well. So it's really just about Jared Goff. And is Jared Goff a good enough quarterback to get there? And honestly, I think that he's good enough to take you to the playoffs. He's, I mean, he's been to the Super Bowl, but that was behind, you know, uh, Sean McVay's offense. Oh, hold on. Big mouth, McVay. And that was also behind <laughs> a terrible non-PI call, too. <laughs> okay, I, I, I stepped on a landmine there, I can tell. Um, but, oh, but I like say, McVay. I, I just don't like the fact that they I don't got, like him. I they think got he's highly overrated. The worst non-call. I've he ever ruined seen. that team, by the way. The Rams are, are, are so behind the eight ball now. And if Matthew Stafford doesn't come back because of that spine injury, they're screwed. Okay, they're I'm, absolutely I'm, screwed. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say my opinion, but I'm curious yours, right? And mm-hmm. I'm gonna push a little button here. Go ahead. As a Jet, as a Jet fan, mm-hmm. would you trade it? Would you, Would you trade situations? Mm, no. 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 You You wouldn't want the Super Bowl. Nope. Okay. No, you know why? Because eventually the Jets are going to win, and I, I believe that. I, I think they're starting to move in that direction. And being mm-hmm. that the NFC is the way it is, yeah, everybody will say next year the NFC is still going to be wide open because they're it's still going to be horrible. Uh, but the to me, what the Rams are and what they they're going to depend on Baker Mayfield next year. Are they going to keep Baker Mayfield? going into the offseason, knowing that Matthew Stafford, who is going to be looking for a new contract, if he's 100% healthy, doctors are saying that he has the same spine injury as David Wright, and we've seen how long David Wright was playing after that. Not very long. So Matthew Stafford could be done. So you're going into the offseason saying, okay, you know who my starting quarterback is? Baker Mayfield. Maybe I'll get lucky and spend a little bit of money for Jimmy G, but they're not going to have money. They're not going to have enough money for that because they overpaid for this guy and that guy and overpaid for that. And by the way, they don't have a draft pick until the third or fourth round this this coming year. So what the hell are they going to do? They're not going to trade back in. They're not going to trade next year's draft pick because they have very few of those too. So I have mm-hmm. no idea what the Rams are going to do. And Sean McVay, if I was Sean McVay, I'd say, you know what? I'm going to leave. I'm going to let Peyton take over because he wants one of Sean Peyton wants one of the LA teams. You can have my team and I could go to one of these teams that actually have draft stock that I didn't screw up all these couple these couple of years because I wanted to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I don't know who's to blame, right? It could be it could be Snead as well. Um, but you know, w- w- their strategy really is right. It's it's let's get rid of these first round draft picks because first round picks do have risk because the player you draft could be a bust. Get a star that we know is going to hit. And then instead of drafting with our second round pick, let's trade back and let's get 
a couple fourth round picks and a fifth round pick so that we end up having 10 picks just at the back of the draft, right? And they and they get role players that way. Really high-end superstars, and then they have role players. And, it, and it's worked. But I think you're right. I think it's starting to come to kind of crumble. And I, it, But they got a Super Bowl out of it. So, you know, I think people have differing opinions. They were on, lucky would you to win a Super Bowl last year. Lucky. But they won it. They, they won it. it. But they were very, very lucky. And by the way, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, you heard in the offseason, I don't know if I'm coming back. I'm coming yeah. back. He, he, he takes that big contract, really puts them in – salary hell, okay, Mm -hmm. and he had a horrible – I know we're going to say his numbers are still pretty good for Aaron Donald. Uh, I mean for any other player, but for Aaron Donald, they're not good numbers. Aaron Donald's had one of his worst years. He's This is a guy that for eight years straight, he was an all-pro player. This year, there's no way he's an all-pro player. I don't care what anybody says. He's not the best defensive uh, defensive lineman in the league. As a matter of fact, there are two big guys, one on Carolina and one for the Jets, that absolutely are better than he is this year. And so is Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, and Christian Wilkins. Yes. So. Yeah, I think I think it's you know he's still a great player. He he's dealing with injuries. He's missed a couple of games, but uh, he's still grading in like the 90s in PFF scoring. So he's still an elite player. But I think you're right. I think this is the first year in a really long time we're seeing some some competition for him, right? I think Chris Jones is the the number one guy. I would That's, say there. That he's, is, he's, he's having an elite yeah. season, um, and he would have had that season last year if they didn't try to move him to edge. But they moved him to edge. Uh, they didn't have any other pass rush, so he was just getting you know boxed out. Uh, but this year he's showing really what the what kind of talent he is. Uh, and I did want to finish the question that you asked. Go earlier. ahead. I'm sorry. Yep. No, no, no. Of course, about the Vikings, right? So the Vikings now. Um, yeah, they're 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 going to be the number one team in the NFC North. They're going to have potentially they're, they're potentially going to be you know hosting a lot of home games this playoff uh, during the playoffs. And you know Kirk Cousins for the first time in his career is proving that he can play some clutch football. Uh, do I think he's he's great, and do I think that he's a Super Bowl quarterback? No, um, but do I think that he can take them, you know, a few rounds into the playoffs? Absolutely. So I think this Vikings team is one of the most competitive teams we've seen at, from them in a long time, and it's actually something that we talked about at All Twenty Two at the beginning of the season. They were our team that we said is going to be the biggest breakout because they added the most value at valuable positions. Right? It's so underrated, right? And it goes to the teams that draft running backs in the first, second round, right? Like. It, it just doesn't work out. Those teams don't make it to the Super Bowl. Saquon Barkley, right? Like the Giants, that getting a guy like that doesn't really add value. But when you add edge rushers and you add tackles like Christian Darrisau, and um, you add you add players to your defensive back group, uh, corners and, and safeties is what they spent their picks on this year. Those are all really valuable positions. And in all twenty two, if you're an owner, that's like the same approach you want to take. You don't want to draft a running back in the first round. You want to go after those high end positions like corner tackle. Um, edge rusher, quarterback, because that's how you build the nucleus of your team. And it's kind of funny because we say that we base our game on what the NFL does. And you see that translation. And that's kind of what we called out at the beginning of the year. We were like, oh, so the Vikings added all of this talent at valuable positions. That's what we would do. I think they're going to be successful. And it turns out like that's exactly what happened. They have been extremely successful. And and I didn't even mention Sedaria Smith, right? They added edge rushers too. So um, yeah, that's I just wanted to finish off. In that the thought. words of Mike Francesa, they stink. Okay. <laughs> and there is no way in hell, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, that team is going to win more than one game in the playoffs. The Jets should have beaten them. Uh, they lost against the Lions last week. They're not a good team. And in and, and every single game, they've won by barely anything. And, and yes, they, they're definitely better when it comes to adding pieces mm-hmm. in the offseason. 
that has not shown on the field. And we had uh, our friends. Yep. Ahead, Pete Bursich. We had Pete Bursich on the show uh, okay. last week. And uh, we love him. We love Pete. And he knows his stuff. He's the Vikings uh, play-by-play guy on the radio and ex-Viking and ex-NFL player. Fantastic personality. Really, really nice guy. But I told him. I said, the Jets are going to have a chance to win that game, and the Jets should have won that game. They were six times in the red zone. That defense, Smith is the only half-decent guy that I could say from that defense that looked decent in that game. That defense looked horrible, and if they Mm -hmm. play a a high-powered offense in the NFC in in the first round, obviously they're not going to be a wild-card team, but... Nevertheless, if they have to play in the first round against any of these elite offenses or defenses, good luck. I, I don't think they're going to win. I, I don't think they're any good. I, I really don't. I think they're overrated. I think Justin Jefferson sees the ball 13, 15 times a game. And for that, mm-hmm. I mean, when you have an elite player like that, and by the way, he had problems against the Jets. If you watch the game, he, he the two games that he looked bad in were against two elite defenses, Philadelphia and the Jets. Those two yep. teams that have great secondary shut him down, made him work for every catch he made in the game. If they, if they, he plays against a good defensive team. Oh, by the way, the Cowboys, uh, you know, demolished him too. So, uh, if he plays against good secondary teams and or guys that actually actually can stop him, he's going to have problems. They're going to have problems because. You see Kirk Cousins, and I don't think anybody's blinded to see. By the way, we are talking to co-founder of All-22 Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. You have seen the the, the Minnesota Vikings play against the elite teams. They have beaten all the bad teams against the good teams. Go look at their record against the good teams, the 500 teams. They're not good. So Mm -hmm. I'm not trusting in the Minnesota Vikings going into the playoffs against the elite teams in the NFC or even going to the Super Bowl, which I do not believe they're going to be there. Uh, And and that's because of Kirk Cousins, because I don't trust him in the big game. And to me, he's mediocre. And I I like him better than some of the quarterbacks and starting quarterbacks in the league. But that's not saying much because there might be four elite quarterbacks in the whole NFL. And that, that says a lot about where the NFL is going in the quarterback position. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to say something a little controversial, and it's something that it. you know I, I I feel very strongly. Uh, the NFC is full of very good teams with strong defenses, and they've been underrated, right? Because everybody wants flashy offense. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The NFC won the last two Super Bowls, right? Mm-hmm. And the NFC always ends up being very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles this year. There's mm-hmm. a chance they truly are the best team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it because you know I know a lot of Giants fans in New York are going to hate that I said that too. But they're, they're a fantastic team. They might have the deepest roster in the NFL. They're going to give anyone a fight. Um, and I think, you know, to, to what you said, right, the Lions beat the Vikings, so they're not that good of a team. What it really might mean is that the Lions are actually a pretty good team. Um, and top to bottom, if you look at that roster, I think you'd, you'd come to that same I don't know if you listen to my show. My second favorite team growing up were the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm a Donovan McNabb oh, okay. fan. I, I love Donovan McNabb. I, I met him in Miami, had a long conversation with him. I know everything about Donovan McNabb. So when the Jets were never making the playoffs, I would root for the Philadelphia Eagles. I like the okay. Philadelphia Eagles. As good as they are on paper, there is deficiencies that this team has. And 
when you get into the playoffs and when it comes to the nitty and the gritty with, mm-hmm. four, you know, you're going into the fourth quarter and the game is close against the Cowboys and Micah Parsons or against maybe the Seattle Seahawks. And even though their defense isn't good, that you're gunslinging against Geno Smith or one of these, you know, their running game and Kenneth Walker, if he's running the ball and controlling the clock. As good as your team is, and we've seen it, if you can run the ball and you can play defense, you don't need an elite quarterback. You don't need elite, top-end, all-purpose defense. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, defense and offense and, and special teams. You can win. And, and there are a few teams in the NFC that can run the ball really, really good, and they can play defense. So do I believe the Philadelphia, Philly, Philadelphia I'm, I'm sorry, the Eagles – are as elite as everybody says they are. I do believe on paper they are. Do I think that they're there? Do I think there's more more AFC teams that could beat them in in, in a one game playoff? Absolutely. Kansas City could beat them um, right now. Absolute Buffalo could beat them right now. Even with uh, Josh Allen not playing as well as he has, um, I, uh, the Bengals could beat him right now. Uh, the way Joe Burrow is playing right now and the way that defense is playing and that offensive line is actually blocking for him. And I could go on and on and on. There are teams right now in the AFC that I believe matching, you know, the NFC is easy. I mean, look who, look, look who they have to play. You know, they have to play the Giants twice. They got to play Washington twice. They got to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are a good defense. Their offense is, eh, you, you don't know what that offense is going to show up to. You, you don't know what mm-hmm. Dak Prescott's going to throw. And then you could go up and down. The Packers, they don't have anything to help Aaron Rodgers. So if they play the Packers, they're not making the plus. But if they do, I, I, I'm not going to bet on the Packers either. I mean, Tampa, give me a break. Uh, and, and I'm not taking shots at Tom Brady. It's not the same Tom Brady. And that team isn't the same. And they got Todd Bowles as their head coach. Ah, uh, and then you go, you go into to that division with Seattle, the Arizona Cardinals, the Rams, and all the garbage, and San Francisco. I like San Francisco. Are you going to trust a third-string quarterback in a big game away to win you that big game? And the answer is, I don't. So and I, I like Purdy. I like his story. I like everything. Mm-hmm. Love his father crying out in the audience. It's great. It's a great story. Maybe they can make a movie out of it after the, the season's over. I could care less. They're not winning with Purdy. So if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't come back like they say he is, they're not winning. So who do they have to beat? Minnesota? Give me a break. I, I think a peewee football team in a big game that can run the ball against that defense. Okay? The Jets were running all over that defense. All over that defense. And, and I, when, when it comes down to the playoffs, the best teams in the playoffs are teams that can run the ball, control the clock. It don't, Tom Brady, you know this. You're a numbers guy. Look at Tom Brady's numbers in the Super Bowl. He's played. He's won, he's won seven Super Bowls. Could you name, the, could you name all seven games and, and, and the best games he had? I can. He's had two good games out of the seven Super Bowls he was in. Two. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about Tom Brady? And he's a, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the GOAT. Okay? It, it, it tells me one thing. People forget what wins games. It's a team game. Football is the ultimate team game. You go watch hockey, Connor McDavid can win games by himself. He can. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we've seen it. Uh, baseball, it's it's you know, if you have a dominant pitcher, you can keep the game close, and then all you got to do is get a hit, and it's a home run. You can win that game one nothing. 
Okay, you know it's not an ultimate team. It really isn't. And and then basketball. Give me a break. We we all know basketball. Okay, and it, these are the four biggest sports in football. The quarterback could be playing great if the defense isn't. You're not winning. If mm-hmm. your if your special teams makes a big huge mistake or two big mistakes and your defense and offense is killing it, those two those two big mistakes could cost you a game. Oh, don't tell him about special teams. He's a Packers fan. He doesn't have to hear about that. <laughs> Let's not get into that game last year. Okay, that made me uh, sick yeah, to my stomach. Don't, don't make me talk about that. Yeah, uh, and I, and honestly, honestly, everybody blamed Aaron Rodgers for that game. That is a crock of you-know-what, okay? That was not Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' fault. That had everything to do with the special teams, and what the special teams were doing in that punt return makes me sick to my stomach, okay? I don't know what they were thinking when the ball was up in the air, okay? It just show, it shows you how stupid, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the coaches were in the sidelines in that game. So I, I bet yeah. the Packers are hoping that uh, they could go with the uh, – Ian Hardett's method of a football well, guest of our show as well. The LaFour family. Who has the band kickers and punters. The LaFour family, and I know all about the LaFour family because we have one that is a horrible offensive corner. He is the reason why the Jets lost against the Minnesota Vikings because all he had to do with a 6'5 quarterback is on the one-yard line with three downs, three downs. All he had to do was quarterback sneak, and the Jets win the game. That's all the Jets needed to do, and he didn't do it. That don't, shows get, it. don't get me started on the floors. I, I mean, I was so mad when the Packers made that hire a few years ago. He was Horrible. Tennessee's he was Tennessee's offensive coordinator. I don't even think he was play calling at the time. And he only was in the second and, half of the season. Right. And they did they weren't even good, right? So like how do you then go and just raise him because he's young and because he's you know, a decent looking dude. He's a pl- just, he's a pretty boy. That's what he is. He got hired yeah. a lot because of the way Derrick Henry broke out that second half. Of What's that up season, with these coaches really? too? You have uh, McVay, pretty boy with a supermodel <laughs> girl, a wife. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. You have now Matt Lafleur, pretty boy. Uh, his brother Mike Lafleur, pretty boy. Uh, all these pretty you boys. Have one in Arizona that might not last very long. <laughs> Another pretty boy. All these pretty boys. He should have been fired years ago. <laughs> he, he just got an extension. Place, he just got an extension. Yeah. He's not I, I going have a good feeling he'll be out very soon. I he think he's be, got another year. Him and Kyler Murray are attached to the hip now. so I think he's yeah. got another year. I think they're going to give him another year. And, and, and after what happened in New Mexico with one of the coaches, nobody even knows the story. They took it out of, of hard knocks. They didn't want anybody to see in a hard knocks. I wonder why. Whatever he did was probably illegal, and mm-hmm. he, they just tried to – um, you know, take it, you know, put it in a, you know, a present box for Christmas and say, here you go. We're just going to fire you so we don't ruin your career as a, as a coach if you want another job in the NFL. So they, they hid that from hard knocks and everything like that. So it, it's just, it's despicable. And, and honestly, I don't understand where these coaches are coming from because everything that I've seen, and this, this is all from Kyle Shanahan. These are from his tree. Go look at his tree. And I'm not saying these this, his tree is bad. His tree is pretty good. It's and pretty good. It really is. It's it's really good. And and teams and, and coaches that have gone pretty far in the playoffs. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. How many of them have won? It's true. It's a good point. How many of them won? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sean McVay won. Finally won, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And you know why he won? Because the team traded away every single asset for the next 10 years. So great move by the Rams. They'll never win again. There, there is no way, no way that team is going to win. Aaron Donald will, ta- will retire after next year. Ramsey's going to de- demand a trade, even though he's no good anymore. I don't know what happened to him. Okay, this guy was the in a leech. Okay, I remember these guys telling me last year he's the best corner in the NFL. And I said 
He is not the best corner in the NFL. He's an overrated corner, overpaid, and doesn't shut up. Okay? He is not. And, and, and you saw it the last couple of weeks. He is horrible. And he can't. <laughs> and, and, and you want to know something? When I look at the Rams as a whole, as an organization, mm-hmm. they're just. Their their owner likes the flashy things. He with the stadium that they built, with the the fans that like to beat the hell out of each other. You know during games. I, I, by the way, every single week I'm hearing that somebody's getting knocked out at the games. If it's not a Rams fan beating up a Rams fan, it's a Rams fan beating somebody else up. Well, there's, okay? a, there's only only a set limited amount of Rams fans. It's just it's, it's despicable. From. I mean, go look on TikTok. Go on. I hate TikTok, by the way. You go to Facebook in the post that you see these Rams fans in these fights. It's always at a Rams game. Why? Mm-hmm. It tells you how delinquent and deluded that place is. The most popular team in L.A. is the Raiders. <laughs> horrible. It's a horrible it, disgrace. You ever see that? Like I want to throw up. With the road teams Blah. invading that stadium and just dominating yeah. the way the 49ers did in the NFC Championship game. That was great. Rivalry so, with Ticketmaster. So I've been, on, I've been on for a little while now. Yes, I, we're I, happy to I, have you. you. You, you, you badmouthed Tom Brady and mm-hmm. you badmouthed Jalen Ramsey. Hold on, so, hold I mean, on. I didn't badmouth Tom Brady, okay? Not the GOAT. He's not the GOAT. I, I, here's the thing. <laughs> I, you guys weren't alive for Joe Montana, okay? You guys are kids, all right? I watched Joe Montana play in, you know, the prime of his career. Yes, he had – there was no, there was no uh, you know, there was I no salary we cap. You look, you look pretty good. I'm 40, man. Yeah, you Thank look you. good, man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. But, uh, I mean, watching – Joe Montana play. I, I had the opportunity to watch Peyton Manning in his, you know, when he when he built his name a, as the elite quarterback that he turned out to be. Now, do I think Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning? Yes. Now I do. He is. But to say he's better than Joe Montana, I, I don't know. Joe Montana, if he had if he had Bill Belichick, and everybody's going to say, well, he had a, an elite coach, one of the greatest coaches of all time, the guy that created, uh, you know, the West Coast offense. Great. It is great. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach, greatest coach of all time in any sport, in mm-hmm. any sport. And it, it tells you, yes, well, well, has he won without Tom Brady? No. But there, there's reasons why he hasn't won with my, uh, Mac, Mac Jones. And, and by the way, J- Josh McDaniels, if he stayed there with the Patriots this year, I say the Patriots win the division. I think the Patriots would have won the division this year against Buffalo. It, it has a lot to do with the way they structure the offense. When you have two guys right now as your offensive, you don't have one offensive coordinator. You have two idiots, okay? <laughs> yeah. And two guys that one never, never ever coached as an offensive coordinator. One was a defensive player, a defensive coach, and the other one was a, uh, what was that, a quarterback? I'm sorry, wide receiver coach, and then coached the Giants for, what, two years? And he couldn't coach the Giants. Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> speak to the fans. He couldn't speak to the press. And all he could say at the end of his firing is it was a good ride, good ride while it was lasting. Okay, to me, I, I I think the Giants like to kick him right out of that that office when he had the when they had the opportunity to do it. Okay, it, it's 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 a, a disgrace. Okay, and and to me, Josh McDaniels will have that job more sooner than more sooner than later because I do believe the Raiders will keep him this off season because they can't do anything about it. But if he starts the season like this next year. Not only is he going to be gone, two games, three games in, they're going to fire him. There is no way with the money they spent in this offseason. And by the way, Renfro hasn't been healthy, but when he is on the field, you don't even know he's playing. Okay, so what does that tell you? You had Wes Welker, 
you had, I'm sorry, Julian Edelman, and he, those two guys were guys that you loved to throw the ball to. You have the same exact replica player on your team. And when he did play, you never saw him, you never see him on the field, or you never see him catch the ball. So it was, it's, it's embarrassing. It really is. Yeah, they're making a mess out there. And, uh, you know, we talk, you said it earlier, right? Football's a team sport. Yep. So I think, you know, Belichick deserves all the praise in the world for what he's done there. And he's, he's done a great job. He's 100%. the greatest coach of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think Brady still is the greatest all quarterback right. of That's all time. I, okay. I think it's hard to, to separate those mm-hmm. things. I didn't get to see Montana. It's a different era. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's kids probably today already saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time, right? So, like, it's, it's, just, it's just what people are going to say. Tom Brady um, is way better than Patrick Mahomes is. Okay, and as good as he is, when you see him on the field, he has the best offensive mind in NFL history. Okay, when you have that guy coaching you week in and week out, it's hard to say. And he finds these running backs, Pachua, whatever the Pachua, whatever his name is. This guy is he's becoming a star in three weeks. This guy's running over defenses. He's making it look so easy. He finds these guys, and they turn into stars. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And every every year since Jamal Charles had to retire early, like they've always had like somebody else random that just breaks out out of nowhere. And look at the playoffs too: Damian Williams, and then last year Jarek McKinnon. Like, out of has nowhere. Kareem Hunt been that much better than he was leaving the Chiefs? No, no. I mean, no. he was an elite top five running back when he was with the Chiefs. Now he's with the Browns. Yes, he's playing with Chubb, who's better than he is. But when he does play, he's not the same running back he was when he was over there with the Chiefs because of Andy Reid. That's why. That's the facts. And he yeah. had Alex Smith throwing. Give me a break. Andy Andy Reid's not going to be there forever, right? Andy Reid's getting up there in age, like pretty pretty up there in age. And, you know, it's pretty obvious he's not the healthiest guy in the world. So who knows how long he's going to want to be there. Um I'm excited to see what Patrick Mahomes becomes after that because mm-hmm. I think that'll really determine what his legacy is going to be. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, uh, Mahomes doesn't have the same luxury that Brady had where he could have Belichick for almost 20 years or maybe he did have him for 20 years. Like Andy Reid's going to retire at some point and Mahomes is going to be handed off to somebody else. And um, I think that's when we'll know what he truly is. Mm. I know where he's, I know who's going to be handed off to him. Todd Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm just – I'm kidding. I, I don't know. Todd Bowles is never getting a coaching job again after this debacle, okay? I, no. They have to figure out. I think Byron – coordinator. I think Byron Leftwich should be the coach of this team next year, going into next year, whatever happens with Tom Brady. Now you're hearing that Tom Brady is interested on looking elsewhere for one more year, a final year. Uh, San Francisco, you've heard, he always wanted to play there. Uh, maybe any of the AFC teams. Maybe he goes back to the Patriots mm-hmm. for one more year to try mm-hmm. to win a championship with Bill Belichick. Might possibly could happen. Who knows? Um, I don't know why he would. He, he's got $365 million sitting over there for Fox Sports as a play-by-play guy, which, by the way, he's never had any experience doing. So it, fail or not fail, the guy is going to be a very rich man. So what does he care about playing football anymore? That just you know shows you. Is? Yes. Do you know what I think it is? What I is think it? he is a guy that cares about his image and, what, and his legacy, right? And there's one record that he hasn't broken yet. There's one record that nobody's ever achieved, and that's winning a, winning a Super Bowl with three different teams as a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever done that. Um, him on the 49ers, that, that could happen. That's, that's the situation. I think that's what he wants. I think that's what he tries to do. I don't know if the 49ers want him, um, but if they do, I, I, all, all signs point to that team being 
next year's Super Bowl. I think that would be the only team he would take Patriots. less money to go to. It's either them or the Patriots. I could see him going yeah. back to the Patriots. Everybody keeps saying he'll go to the Jets. The Jet. He's not playing for the Jets. He's not playing with the Jets. He hates the Jets. The Jets hate him. Could you imagine the fans rooting for the same guy that demolished him year in and year out for 15 years? As a Jet fan, I would boo the Jets. Okay, <laughs> I am not going to sit there and root on a quarterback I couldn't stand for years. Okay, I mean, it happened with the Vikings with Brett Favre, so I guess anything's possible. Yeah, well, I'm not doing that as a Jet that was fan. A hard time for me. Yes. Well, it only it was only a one year thing. Luckily, they went to the <laughs> NFC Championship game. They should have. I think Brad Childress blew that. I thought I don't know why they were throwing the ball there. They could have won the game in regulation. But um, then... Snug, Snug says he's already rich. Let me tell you something, Snug. If you go look at his net worth right now, because he took less money. Yeah, he's worth two hundred million dollars. And by the way, he lost a lot of money on that. Um, what, what do they call that? Uh, the coin thing. Uh, that investment crypto that fell whatever, off. Yeah. Yes, the crypto that fell apart. I heard he lost like $50 million or something like that. Okay. He's making $365 million for an, a 10 year contract. Okay. It's more money that he's made, he's going to make from Fox Sports. And that's guaranteed. No matter what happens, if they fire him, that is a guaranteed $365 million he's going to get. If he likes it or he doesn't like it, he is going to get that money. So he is going to make more money in 10 years than he made in his, what, 26-year career as a football player? What does that tell you about uh, Fox and how desperate they really are? Okay? They're very desperate. And as uh, they lost their, their, their dogmen to Fox – I'm sorry, to ESPN and uh, Amazon – uh, you know, just Troy Aikman and uh, what's his name again? Joe Buck. Joe Buck decide to take, you know, whatever they made, $20 million a Anything, year. Anything's good than hearing less uh, – everything's better when you hear less Troy Aikman, though, so it's good. I like Troy Aikman. I, I really don't know. Like. He's very biased. Why? You don't like Troy? He's very biased to the Cowboys, I think, a lot of the time. And really? I don't think he's biased. I think he is. I don't, I don't like Joe Buck more than, I, yeah, more I don't. than Aikman. Joe we, Buck is – he's brutal. We've had Joe Buck on this network. Okay, and I like Joe. He's a <laughs> personally, personally, he's a good guy. Okay, he really is. He's a good guy. He deserves every dime he's made as a broadcaster, play-by-play guy. Really is. I just feel that if you're going to tell me who's biased, I watched him, you know, as a play-by-play guy for baseball, and I've seen him as a play-by-play guy for football. He is the one of the most biased play-by-play guys I've ever listened to in professional sports. And yes. I, everybody keeps saying that Joe uh, Aikman is, is he's terrible, he's awful. I think Aikman is a great personality for TV. I think he, he knows the game, he sees the game for what it is, and I think he's a good face for wherever he works, Amazon, ESPN, or wherever he works. I, this is a guy that's a Hall of Famer. This guy was an elite quarterback at his position for years. What has Joe Buck been? An elite play-by-play guy who's never played sports in his life? Give me a break. He should, he should take the Tony Romer approach. The first Super Bowl he got to broadcast, which was ironically the Patriots-Rams one we were talking and about again, earlier. He took a direct shot at the Cowboys and, right at the beginning. And again, I'm not taking shots at Joe Buck. I love Joe Buck. He is a great guy. He really is. But if you're going to compare who I would want as my play-by-play guy, I'm taking Troy Aikman over Joe Buck. And why? Joe Buck was the one that got – I mean, Troy Aikman was the one that got the big contract from from ESPN and Amazon before Joe Buck did. It was Aikman that obviously obviously spoke to Amazon and ESPN and said, you have to sign him. That's the truth. Go look at it. 
Aikman was the one that parted ways with Fox. He was the one first. Then it was Buck. And that shows you a lot on what type of person Aikman is. He's a team player, and he wanted Buck to go with him. And he, he made Buck a lot of money. More money than Buck has ever made in his career as a broadcaster. And that says a lot about Troy Aikman and as a team player he is. So, anyways, we really appreciate you, man, and, and joining us for over an hour. Uh, you're fantastic. Uh, what you do and personality-wise, I'm surprised you don't do a podcast. I'm surprised you don't do a live radio show. I, I, think, I think you have a tremendous amount of knowledge when it comes to football, and you guys should look into that. I, I mean, not a podcast, even just starting a show. We'd love to bring you on our network and, and do something on our network. Maybe we uh, could talk. I appreciate that. I, we, we do have a podcast. Oh, really? We are the – the, the All-22 podcast, it's, it's just talking about fantasy sports in All-22, right? So okay. All-22, for those of you that don't know, is a fantasy football game that, okay. that uses uh, PFF grading as the foundation for its scoring. So we are the only uh, fantasy system out there that has offensive linemen. Like, think about fantasy football oh, and think about nice. Madden, and we, we merge those two things. So wow. you right, guys ever wanted to play or check it out? I, I'm going to have to try definitely that. going intriguing. to check it out. I'm definitely going to check it yeah. out. So, we, so we do have a podcast, the All Twenty Two podcast. Okay. You can find it on major platforms. Why don't you um, uh, Why don't you send it to new. us? Why don't we yeah. Why don't you send it to us? I would love to check it out. We really appreciate your time, as Absolutely. always. Uh, congratulations, obviously getting married. Thank uh, you. Keep up the good work, and and Speedy will reach out to you in the next couple of weeks. I'd love to bring you on on a panel of ta- you know guys. That oh, we'll no bring fans- you and Ray together. There we yes. go. We'll- oh, we butt heads. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we'll bring Ray. I uh, remember Packers Ray. Packers fan and a Cowboys fan. What could exactly. possibly go wrong? We'll exactly. get you guys on, and uh, we'll get a panel of guys like we've done in the draft, after the draft, and we had a panel of guys and argue you know, where these guys went and, and what these guys are going to be. I would love to bring you in going into the playoffs on a panel of knowledgeable guys and where we think the playoffs are going to go and where it's going to lie with some of these players. But uh, we appreciate you, Mr. Lombardi. Looking forward to it, guys. Great show. Um, good luck with everything. And, Thank you. you know, stay safe and God bless your families. Thank you, you too. Uh, we right. were just talking to co-founder, All 22 Premium Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Speedy, I didn't know he did a podcast. I, I, again, I didn't know either. I, we were, I actually messaged him about about a lot of what he does. Like around the time we had Ray on the show, which was in March and April, for uh, for that draft panel. And he didn't do that. a podcast, I don't think. But uh, maybe he didn't at that time. But he didn't mention it to me. He was telling me a lot about the a lot of the stuff that he was. Mentioning I remember at the end. Ray. Yeah. Ray's a nice guy. Yeah, he, he was mentioning a lot of the stuff that he mentioned at the end with the articles, the PFF grades, stuff like that. He was mentioning the innovation that he did with the fantasy football itself but he didn't mention anything specifically about the media stuff but let's get a panel of these fantasy guys on like four or five of them and get them on at the same time and uh, we get into the playoffs and and obviously where the playoffs lie as the season it, it comes to an end in four weeks and and have a show one whole show of a panel of guys arguing where some of these teams are going to lie and maybe predict who's going to go to the Super Bowl and what player is going to be the MVP of those games and, and stuff like that. I think that would make for a very good show and a good argumental uh, you know, for the fans because I want, I want the fans to see the, the different perspectives of, of different fantasy guys that are gurus. What the, These guys study each player, each offense, each defense, each, each quarterback – and what they can do inside and out 
when they when they they play an elite defense or elite right. offense. Yeah, so. it's actually what he's describing to a very interesting concept too. Like if you have an individual guy that's being let down by a team, like for example, he was mentioning offensive linemen, like. Andrew Thomas has been playing great all year for the Giants where the rest of the line hasn't. And would that kind of thing be beneficial for that kind of fantasy football? Andrew Thomas is the only player right now on that line that I would keep. That's, and that's crazy. They just drafted. Well, yeah, most an, of them are on two-year deals. They so, just yeah. they just drafted an offensive lineman this this year. Everybody thought uh, the kid from Alabama, Neil, yeah. Neil, um, Neil was going to be an elite player at the right tackle position. And so far, and it's just early. What we've seen. He's not any good, okay? So I know it's early, and a lot of people were complaining about his knee problems. Going into the draft, a lot of people were questioning. Honestly, if you were to look at the offensive linemen that were drafted this year, I'd take Charles over him in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Right now, Seattle, with Charles in that offensive line, the way Charles has played this year, I'm sure the Giants are smacking themselves in the head why they didn't draft Charles. Mm -hmm. They had a chance to draft him. Could you imagine him? No, they were they were targeting him more for the from the most part because I think they thought Neil was going to. be You could have put Thomas on the right side and Charles on the left side, and you would have an elite bunch of tackles. Thomas has actually played better on the left, though. I don't know if I would have wanted to mess with that, but I think the Giants would have drafted Cross if Neil was gone. I think they were anticipating Neil would be gone and didn't expect him to fall the way he did because Jacksonville drafted weird with Walker. So that, far, the best tackle in last year, this past draft. Is cross? Yeah, by He's, a pretty good margin. Yes, so, by by a huge hasn't margin. Played great either for Carolina, and that was that was the dilemma that the the, the Panthers had too. And the, even uh, yeah, a lot of the other guys in the first round have been hurt too. But even Tyler Smith, if you want to judge for Dallas too, has probably been the second guy so far. He's I liked well. him, and yeah. I, I know a lot of Cowboy fans were not happy about that draft pick, including the Beef. But I told the yeah, Beef, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, I told the Beef the only reason why he fell as far as he did in the draft was because of the the season that he had this year. Last year, he was an elite tackle. Everybody was speaking about him being a top 10 pick and then the past year he couldn't stay healthy and then he had problems, you know, you know, blocking because he wasn't 100% healthy uh the year before before he went into the draft. So, again, this is this is what happens. And but again, you have to be you got to make the right choice for the your, your team. Look at the Jets. Look what the Jets did. Mm-hmm. They went after Sauce. Did they? In in in, obviously Sauce was the best the corner in the draft. Uh, some people thought Stingley was. I, I you could go back and forth. It was right. Stingley or Sauce. Yeah. But and look at the kid from Seattle. What he's done. He was. Yeah, like, I liked him too. I never thought he would be this good. It's really cool. He's yeah. having he's having a he's having a good year. Yeah. We'll see if he could do it back to back years. Right. But Sauce, we know, is only going to get better. We know Stingley is only going to get better coming off an injury. So we see what Sauce is. We see what Garrett Wilson has been. We've seen what Bruce Hall was becoming. And even Jermaine Johnson, when he was playing and he was getting snaps. And I think the Jets will move him to linebacker. I I believe that's going to happen. He will be the linebacker of the future for the New York Jets. Hmm. Who do we have on the phone? Hey, Jeff is back. You want him on? Jeff, what's up? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good, right, Besides dis- dealing with you for the last couple of days, I'm good. Jeff, you do realize my uh, my Joss Uche question marks were last year, not this year. I, I haven't bashed him this year. <laughs> jo- Josh Uche, Defensive Player of the Week, which is strange because I heard the Jets were elite. I don't know how Patriot got in there. That must be an oversight. <laughs> it has to be an oversight, right? Like, mm-hmm. it has to be a, a Jet. They're elite. 
All right, keep going. And and and, and let's make something very clear oh, here. here it goes. You did not argue that it was the Jets' defense that was elite last week because and you did even you play this? And did you? you, you even, hold on, hold on. You even played this contest. Well, name a team that's better, and you went team by team. No, nope, the Jets will beat them. Oh no, nope, the Jets will beat them. You were claiming the Jets were elite last week. That's what you were doing. Did you? What, did you? Did you hear what I said in the beginning of the show? Right, no, and, right, because now you try to backpedal here a little I'm not, bit. I'm not oh, backpedaling. Listen, listen, defense. listen. I am not backpedaling anything on what I said, first of all. Second of all, when we're getting into the conversation and we're, we're, we're going into what we're, we're ready to speak about, let's not, let's not rehash what happened last, last week. Let's, let's talk about this week. Think, what do you want to speak I think, about? I think it's important last week. What right? do you want to speak about? What do you want to speak week, about? Right, I'm talking about the Jets. No, I, I don't want to talk. Is, I, I don't want to speak I about think, this. Well, I, I think last week is very important only in the fact that there's only four games left now. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, the Jets almost have to go three and one to make the playoffs. Said that already. They, yeah. lose, they lose tiebreakers to the Patriots and Chargers. I, the so, Jets have to win 10 games to make the playoffs. Any one of these teams have to win 10 games to make the playoffs. See them going three and one over the last four games? I think they if they beat the Lions this week, the Jaguars are going to be pretty difficult. I I I, I do believe that you're, you're playing Thursday night. By, by the way, you, me, Speedy, everybody, we bashed the Christian Kirk contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty good contract pretty, at this good. point. Uh-huh. Yes, and I said that. I I said that for li- five weeks ago. I said that. I said, well, look what Christian Kirk is doing. I said a lot of people we, that were and bashing. We it. All shit, and we all shit yes. on it. Myself yep. included. This mm-hmm. is not. This I'm not leaving myself out of this. I I was like, oh my god, Christian Kirk, that kind of money. It's worked out. Oh, and it it's definitely hasn't worked out for Arizona. It really hasn't. I mean, ever that was Kyler Murray's like really that's, safety blanket. That's unfair too. That, that's that's unfair. He he because was he was his safety blanket last year. He he wasn't. DeAndre Hopkins is. And to be fair with the Cardinals, they have guys. They have a, a lot of great players on that team. And I'm not going to say Robbie Anderson, right? But Robbie Anderson would be a good uh, Robbie Anderson would be a good fourth or fifth option. Let's be honest. But they haven't played a single game this year where DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, or or Kyla Murray have been on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not a single game. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, you know, that's pretty unlucky because of the injuries. If but, you uh, look you know, at if you look at Christian Kirk's numbers from the year before. He has 67 receptions, 874 yards, and seven touchdowns right now. 2021, he had 77 receptions, 982 yards, 12.75. His numbers are almost identical as as they were last year with with uh, Kyle Murray. Be up this year, no, they got to be. Yeah, up. they are already at his career high. He he <laughs> is with his touchdowns and and his barely average catch is thirteen point four this year to twelve point seven five last Jacksonville, year. So. Jacksonville's coming, man. They they they, they are a franchise quarterback, and you're seeing it now that Urban Meyer isn't in Jacksonville to try to ruin Trevor Lawrence. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Are there is their defense going to play good enough for the next couple of weeks to 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 shock everybody and knock some of these teams off? And now well, they can still the make anti, the playoffs. The they can still make the playoffs. Right? Well, they're the anti Jets. Like they're all offense, no defense. You're all defense, no offense. Yeah. Well, I, I think the I think the Jets have offense. They they have to. <laughs> they do not. What, you they don't scored, think they scored not? They scored nine points. Two of them were on defense. Okay, and and that has a lot to do with obviously the defenses Special that they games. were playing. No, with the defense that they were playing. 
Okay? Now, the, the Lions, they're a pretty good defense. They're not an elite defense. And I think the Jets right, are going they, to be able to throw against them. They have much more balance, though, because they can score points. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, the Jets are going to go tick for tack against them offensively this week. I think they will. Well, because well, I don't that trust their to be seen because you said before, yeah. you know, the games Mike White has been in. Yeah. And they haven't he's, won. He's one and three. Yeah, he's yes. one and three. He hasn't won. He's one right. and two this year, and he's one in he's one and two last year. So Right. And and the other problem that you have against the Lions is uh Mike White. Right? So mm-hmm. so if he takes a sack, if Agent Hutchinson touches him, because he's does he have broken? He's probably got broken ribs. Does he have? Has it been confirmed or no broken ribs? Uh, it, it's what do they call it? Uh, a bruised? I forget what <laughs> the sternum. bone bruise. It, no, it wasn't a bone bruise. It was like something. Was bru- I forget a, a what sternum. it is. It's something with his. It, it's something with his ribs. It's not broken. It's not fractured. It's something else. Uh, Speedy, you can look it up on on what well, he is. Either way, he's going to be playing very much hurt. No, he's not 100%, and he's going to be wearing a pad to protect that. And that's probably why they, they're they putting Zach Wilson as the backup quarterback because Flacco, they saw enough of Flacco last week. You're going to see Zach Wilson play because, let's be honest. You might. It, look, you might. I don't care if it's backyard football or throwing a, a wiffle ball in your backyard. You or what, Dude, you feel ribs. You feel anything in the midsection when you're doing it. So him trying to throw a football probably won't be all that effective if the injury is what it looks like. You're probably – Speedy, you have it? And I, All I see is rib injury right now. I haven't seen it. I'll find it. So, I'll find right, it. Right, so so the, the Lions have some balance here. So, the Jet, I, I mean, not crapping on the Jets because they've had a very successful season. They really have. They've moved forward in a lot of ways. Hey, you're a draft pick there, the first-round kid, Johnson. He was the one that blocked the punt. That was a great play. Mm-hmm. Great play. You know, but they probably just don't have the pump this year to go three and one in the last four to get into the playoffs because that's probably what's going to end up taking. It's You're probably right. And, again, it's <clears> – they're saying it's – they're saying it's it's a it's, – it's bruised ribs. That's what he has. That's what they're saying right here. Reports uh, – here – I um, Ian Rappaport says the Jets coach Robert Sala tells reporters that Mike White's day to day with the injury of his ribs, preparing him for blah 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 blah. They're saying it's bruised ribs. I also don't trust that because what NFL team tells you the truth? None of them. No, and there's I'm also I, I've also read that there he's going to play with some kind of rib protection, which doesn't really do anything. We saw Brett Favre do the same thing and was never he wasn't the same quarterback. But hey, listen. We saw Mike White come back in that game and, and throw the ball down the field and, and do it with ease. So to say that he can't do it, I think he can do it. Do it with the ease thing is ridiculous. He did. He did. You can say all you want to say. He can't get it in the end zone. And, and that has a lot to do with the play calling. That has a lot to do with the play calling. I'm not a big Mike LaFleur fan. I never have been. When you're saying, oh, the Jets do it with ease, they don't. They no, don't. I, I said mean, he throws with ease. I didn't say that I mean, they do it with ease. The of your team is probably the punter. Braden Mann has punted probably more than anyone has punted in the league, right? Why do you have to say stupid things? Like, really? I'm, I'm, that's not stupid. That's probably the MVP. Do you know that Mike White has outthrown every single player that he's played against this, the, the last three weeks? <clears throat> and I'm, mean, I'm talking about elite quarterbacks like Josh Allen. He outthrew him. The week before, Kirk Cousins outthrew him. The problem problem with saying saying. that. No, right. And I'm just saying the problem with doing things like that 
is the Jets had to throw the ball because they were down, and all Josh Allen had to do was hand off to end up with, you know, to run the clock out. That's how much they were up. So that's how you end up getting these Fugazi stats. That's why Matthew Stafford was the league leader in passes with the Detroit Lions all those years because they were behind. Mm. That's what happens. So that's why stats are stupid. It's like the Dak Prescott numbers. He'll throw for 400 yards against the, the worst team in the league, and then he throws for a buck 50 against the team that can actually play. Yes, that does sound like Dak Prescott numbers. It's like, uh, it's like, as Robbie Anderson is a good radio guy, he has his own network. The Jets should rotate Wilson, White, and Flacco for second and third down. No, Stug, that's college football. And, and Josh and Josh Allen, he threw for a guy that was, you know, he, he was running the ball the whole time. They Okay, let's look. Josh Allen ran the ball 10 out of, you know, 10 times. His other running backs, Devin Singletary, 8. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, 1. James Cook, 4. And, and Hines won. I mean, that's not a well, lot. Um, and well, and Josh game, and Josh Allen you... threw sixteen for twenty eight for one hundred and forty seven yards. Okay. Right. Well, if you watched the game, the problem with the game was it snowed until yeah, I saw I it. Don't know, it like two or three didn't bother Mike White. Didn't bother Mike White. He was throwing the it, ball down the it, field. It, it clearly did because they didn't. They only scored points, just like the Bills only scored points. When it had stopped snowing. And, and by the way, Bam Knight ran the ball better than every single running running back and quarterback that the Buffalo Bills put out there. Bam was 17 catch, carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Okay? He outran. He's yeah, he's, he's good. And, and he was a great find by the Jets. Now, the question is, what do they do? Now, I'm not talking. I'm not speaking. Running backs don't matter. No, you, you could find running backs. We, we say right, it. About, Aaron Forster. Aaron Forster. Aaron Forster was never drafted. Look what he turned out to be. Seven years he was an elite running back in the league. So, yeah. You, it's, just, it's just going on. More and more teams are just like running back doesn't matter. You just need a bunch of them. Because as long as you, you need two, coaching, you need two you good running, two backs. running backs. You work. need two good running backs. But if you have an you just, elite, no, you just if you need have a good offensive line, but no if you have Zonovan Knight was any good, he's a he's, he's hold a, on. If eight, if eight eight Bam twelfth round, round pick, if Bam Knight was running for Buffalo, Buffalo is not better. <clears throat> no, because they I have think, yeah, uh, yeah. they have a couple of good running backs. I don't know why they don't use James Cook more. I like James Cook. Yeah, he played well last week. I'm surprised he only got four carries the next week. I don't think I don't think they have the the running back of the future on that team. I think they need to find one. They need to find one either in the draft or oh, in free agency. Big, I'm not a big Singletary guy, but they don't seem to be giving the ball to to, to Cook at all, who I like better than Zach Moss. But well, Moss again, is gone. He was that... traded with the Heinz deal. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. they but don't I, really have a big back though at all. Right, but I'm I, I'm just a, a believer that the Bills don't know how to run block. Hmm. Well, yeah, like, they... that's. They have a lot of pass blocking type offensive linemen because they're Deion Dawkins is really the only complete one, and Morse is pretty good too. But they right, a lot of their was, other guys they brought in were smaller, more shiftier guys. Right? Why was why was uh, Ezekiel Elliott any good the first few years? Because they probably have one of the most dominant lines yeah, you've ever seen, right? And now that that's gone, Ezekiel Elliott is just a clown that wears a half a shirt. <laughs> okay, right? Like that's just what it is. Like that's so. Like the line is what matters. Any. Any guy that's talented enough to make it to the NFL is going to be good if you block for him. 
you're probably right, but there are good running backs. Adrian Peterson for years, well, Minnesota. I mean, the, the, how many injuries did that offensive line have here for years? And Adrian Peterson was running over people, okay? He always still had good offensive linemen. Yeah. The first three years of his career, he did. three years. And then after that, he was, was he, their, their line for years. And they, they always said that that line was horrible and how Adrian Peterson was getting the yards per carry and all that well, other well, stuff right. was absolutely amazing. Guys. You can still have elite guys, and you're naming top of the league. No, guys. they didn't have it. They didn't have it though. After those first three years, they no. had Brian McKinney. They had Matt Burke, Steve Hutchinson. Horrible. Two, like two guys that were Hall of Famers. McKinney, I think, could be. And then after that, they drafted Phil Lodehold, who's pretty good. But beyond that, they really didn't have much. Riley Reef right, came later. And they rebuilt like that. it yeah. for the last couple of yeah. years. The, now they started the, to. Yeah. But the problem with that thinking is you're naming unicorns, just thinking you can just draft a guy and he's going to be a unicorn. That, the likelihood of that is zero. Like, slim to none, right? Like, that's the likelihood. So if you just draft anybody and have a good offensive line, anybody that is talented enough to make the league can run behind it, which is what Zonovan Knight is. He's a pretty good running back. Is he great? Probably not. Speaking of offensive line was pretty good. Speaking of running quarterbacks, uh, Kyla Murray tears his ACL. Uh, non-contact injury. That's a significant injury. Now going into the offseason, do I they... I saw Josh Uche come in and it just snapped. It went out before he even got there. When you when you think about Kyla Murray and, and what this does to next year and, and, and their coach, who obviously Kingsbury, who got a lot of money this past offseason, an extension, the questions are going to be, if they lose three or four games in the beginning of the season, even without Kyler Murray, which he will not start this season as the starting quarterback because this is the end of the season. It takes at least 11 months to, to heal an injury like this. Eight months. Well, I'm hearing that he could be out 11 months. I heard 10, so I, I would imagine he's going to miss some games. He's we, gonna, saw, we saw Adrian Peterson. Yeah, but Adrian Peterson's a different, he's a different right, beast. It can be done in, like, it can be done yes. in eight, but I would imagine because of his contract – it's what one sixty guaranteed. Yeah, they're going to protect him. Overall, they're going to protect. Yeah, they're probably going to protect him and keep him on a full year. I, I think when when you look at Kyler Murray, what does this do for Kingsbury? What does this do for Arizona? What does this do for Hopkins? Does he want to get traded in the offseason and go somewhere else where he can win a Super Bowl? Who hasn't won a Super Bowl yet? So they there's should. a lot there's a lot of questions that Arizona is going to have to answer in the offseason. Maybe rebuild and 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 figure out what this team is is going to be in the next couple of years. Maybe it's not Kingsbury. Maybe it's not Kyler Murray. Maybe uh, as Kyler Murray gets healthier as the season progressively moves forward next year, maybe you put him out on the field, show him that he's healthy, and then trade him. Uh, so I, I don't know what they're planning do, to do. Do you believe that they're tied together? Like if they no, like no. Why I don't. would they? Why would they give Kyler that money? If they're going to fire Cliff Kingsbury, it just doesn't make sense. Well, they extended him too. In, they, they extended him too. They extended him too. He they extended him an extra three years. Right, but why would it make sense that they would fire Cliff Kingsbury? Like that's like they not they right did now. All of this. Not right now, but if, if you go into the season next year, this is a team that was a playoff-bound team going into the year. A lot of people, a lot of experts thought that this was a playoff team. They had a good, talented defense. They were coming back healthy. Their offensive line was the healthiest it's ever been for a very for, for over two year two years. They have Justin Pugh, who's this guy was a you know a pro ball you know guard and all this other stuff. Everybody thought, and and, and even you with Javen Collins and all these different Javen Collins. Javen Collins. By the way, the refs robbed him again. Yes, they did. I know. 
But what Making I'm big play after big play, and the referees are just trying to ruin his career. What I'm saying is, is that this team was supposed to make the playoffs and be playoff bound. They weren't even close this year, and now going into the offseason, they're in hard knocks. And by the way, I, I love that they're doing hard knocks in the middle of the season because it, it's it's very intriguing on how these teams prepare for the games. I, this team is an absolute joke. I mean, the the, the personalities on this team. I loved what I saw on the Lions. I loved everything about the Lions with Hard Knocks in the summertime. They're funny. They have a lot of good young players. There was a lot that you learned about the Lions and their coaching staff. What what have we learned about this coaching staff? One, in New Mexico, they fire a coach. They they kind of knocked away. Uh, the Hard Knocks did not want to show what happened for, for that situation, to that situation. And then uh, Kyler Murray uh, being, you, you know, with the Hopkins thing, they waited until Hopkins was coming back. And if you're watching it, you see less and less Hopkins of speaking about what happened and the whole steroid thing. He didn't want to speak about it. It, it really ruins the whole afterthought on – on what Hopkins has turned out to be, you know, since he's come back. So, I, I to me, I just, I, I don't like this year's hard knocks. I, I, I actually like the Colts' hard knocks but last I year. I don't even understand why Cliff Kingsbury's even on the hot seat. I, it makes no sense to me. Zero sense. Right? Why is he? Awesome? You're, you're saying he has the injury leeway this year. You think? Well, well, it's not even just that, right? Like the injuries can be an excuse for this year. But name another team that has improved as much as the Cardinals have improved under Kingsbury in the last three, like as soon as he got there, he's turned that team around. They've gotten better and better. And when last year they were an 11 win team and Oh, they've had a plethora of injuries this year. So now let's fire them. Does that make any sense? Teams would look not a knock on the jets, but just put it this way. Errol. If the jets went from a one win team to a four win team, to a nine-win team, to an 11-win team, you would be streaking through the streets of Bayshore going, the Jets are the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not from Bayshore. Right, well, whatever. Patch Dog, wherever the hell you're from. Right, You'd be running up and down the streets going, this is the greatest. And that if they had the injuries, Zach Ertz and Hopkins being out and Hollywood Brown being out and and uh, – Who's the uh, Dorch and Moore? They have a lot of receivers, right? right. Now. There's well, a lot of teams. There's a lot of right, teams like, that have injuries like this, and they're still winning. But, but first of all, no, no teams had injuries like this where all of your all of your receivers are out. All of them. The Giants don't have any receivers, and they still have seven wins. They didn't have any going yeah, because they have an easy schedule. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. They, they have seven. And who who's the Cardinals play besides the besides the Forty ers Is Seattle really that good? Honestly, their defense is horrible. Their defense is horrible. Their defense is horrible. The Rams they stink. Okay, they have a lot of injuries. They have a tremendous amount of injuries. Seattle's a playoff team right now, aren't they? They are right they now, are. but they are. very okay. So slightly. let's not go with they stink. They're in the playoffs. Those those are elite teams. If you're in the playoffs, honestly, they're not in the playoffs. No, no, they're not right now. The Giants, because they tied, have the tiebreaker right now. They're not in the playoffs. So Seattle right now. Oh, wow, I would have thought that they were. Because the Commanders and Giants tie, it's actually helping one of those Doesn't teams. Doesn't matter. They're in not the in the spot. playoffs. So that's why they're not right, okay, in they're technically not in playoffs, right now. They're, yeah. they're still a pretty good team. They're, they're, right, they're a better team than the Giants are. Their defense hold is, on, hold on. Their defense is horrible. First of all, you guys need to you guys need to pump the brakes. Going into this season, we were like, that's going to be a one-win team. They're, they've traded away Russell Wilson. They've traded all these pieces. Going into the season, we're like, I think I predicted they were going to win three or four games. That's and what I predicted. Right. Yeah. Well, yes. okay, right. So this is what I'm saying. You had them. At, yeah. And listen, I did too. It's, I'm not throwing stones here. I, I, no one thought they were going to be any good. 
they are vastly better than anyone thought. That has a lot to do with their offensive line and 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 and, and really building that offensive line in the draft. Bringing and it across. Great Geno Smith. Yeah, and the, G- Geno Smith, better than Russell Wilson. He probably is. Right now he is. Yeah. Yes. Right now he is. Right. Russell Wilson has like eight touchdowns this year. Right. You also have Pete Carroll to, uh, you know, oh, the, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. The one that cannot manage time. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, who would you rather be your coach, uh, Pete Carroll or Nathaniel Hackett? Okay, so uh, Nathaniel Hackett is a complete think, bust. I don't think it's Nathaniel Hackett's fault. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's, it's 100%. Pretty, it's pretty, it's a pretty, Dude, it's one he, of the three worst individual Jeff, years. Jeff, he doesn't know how to control his so. players. Or the time, or I mean, anything. Look at they on the side a time on the sideline on the sideline your best one of your best defensive players are going over there to your quarterback and yelling at him yelling at him okay you have no control of your players you you have to control your players and tell them like what are you doing what are you doing if you hate your quarterback do it behind closed doors don't do it in front of the press don't do it in front of the cameras where everybody can see it you have to control your players and he can't he hasn't. Robert Sala, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not complimenting anything what Robert Sala has done, but he did one thing. When the Jets lost their first, I think it was the first two games, right? It was the first two games of the season. They lost against the Well, they uh, beat the Browns, the but Baltimore, they lost to the Bengals. Yeah. The Bengals and Baltimore, whatever. They, I think they lost their first two games. I, I'm not sure. But he came out and he says, I'm going to take receipts. I'm going to take responsibility. I think this team is much better than what they are. And you didn't see once, even when there was stuff going on with Zach Wilson. And we don't know what was going on in that locker room. Obviously, it was a lot because... Oh, he lost the locker room. Uh, locked, like lost the locker room. Out. But uh, Robert Sala kind of diffused it. What he did was he said, we need he to clean. He did a pretty good job with it. He did. He did a, pretty good he job, did a good job with it. And but you, you can't tell me a coach the maturity. a quarterback is losing control. Then Bill Belichick has lost control, hasn't he? No. And I'm going to tell you why Bill Belichick didn't lose While control. the quarterback and the coaches are yelling at each other, so that's a loss of control, right? Bill Belichick, first of all, we've seen him fight with Tom Brady on the sideline. We've seen it before. And, and, and they win seven, they win five, six Super Bowls, okay? So it, it, Bill Belichick, if there's any coach that I could sit here and say, if he's yelling at his players and stuff like that, I, I think he, he has merit, okay? Right, so, so, you're, so you're saying he's earned the right to 100%. do it. A hundred percent. Okay, yes. I'm just, I just want to be okay. clear. Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. I watched Nathaniel Hackett as an offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. He has Aaron friggin' Rodgers. And for anybody, and I'm going to say this, and this is not to take shots at the Broncos, for anybody to think that Russell Wilson was anywhere close to the quarterback Aaron Rodgers was, was or is, shame on you. Because he's not. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron one of the. Rodgers stinks. Yeah, he stinks. He is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. And, and, and it doesn't matter what you could say, whatever you want. Look at the team he has. Look who he's throwing to. Okay. And he, even with what he's throwing to, and it's garbage, they're five and eight. Okay. And they still have a chance to make the playoffs. Do I think they will? They're not. But, but, this, but I think you're making the case right now mm-hmm. for Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time because Tom Brady never had anything and still put up those numbers. Right. And now we see what Aaron Rodgers does with nothing, and it turns out he's nothing. Tom Brady had some of the elite defensive teams of all time. Tom Brady and has he, had the, he, the, the arguably the best Tom the best Brady special the, teams in fifteen years. Dude, dude, you can you can say they have. You want. They have the Tom best Brady offensive line coach. They had the best passer. offensive line coach coach in NFL history. 
Okay. You can say what you want, but you don't put up those passing numbers without being any good. Right? L- listen, I'm not saying anything bad about Tom Brady, but to say that Tom I mean, Brady didn't have anything around him, yeah, you're saying Tom, that Tom, Tom Brady had, had nothing no, around him. That's crazy. It's Deon, crazy. Deion Branch, David Gibbons. Oh, his best tight end he's probably ever had is a radio host, Jermaine Wiggins. Get out of here, dude. He had nothing really. His best? What? What did you say? His best tight end until Gronkowski got uh, there. Gronkowski, Hernandez. Let, let's you think Wiggins. Jeff, you think yeah, Wiggins who? was better than Watson? I like Ben Watson, so you thought yeah, Wiggins was better? Was pretty good. Okay. Hey, Daniel Graham was okay. You okay. know what I'm saying? They had some okay guys, but I'm just saying, like, for the most part, they Tom always Brady had, had good. Nobody. They always had good running games. Always did. Always they have, did. They never had, they've never had. They've almost never had a thousand yard rusher. They, they don't need they, to. They had three guys yeah, that Lawrence ran the Maroney ball. Lawrence Maroney was the last one, I think, before Legarrette. They Blunt they ran one the year. ball. No, I don't think Lawrence Maroney was the last one. I, I th- thought it was. The end, I thought it was Blunt the end did it one Smith. year, and I think it broke the drought of like Lawrence Maroney in like '06 or something. Was the last I one before that? Antoine, I thought it was like Antoine Smith in like '05 or something. Okay. What they did, what what the Patriots did well all those years is they had like three running backs, and every every running back was important to that offense, every one of them. So to sit here and say, well, they didn't have a good, they always had a, an elite running team, always was an elite running team, always. No, Tom no, Brady. dude, no, no, dude. Your argument before was the Patriots never had elite running backs. No, I, I said uh, elite running teams. Not elite right. running they backs. They can't run the football. Right. So they, so they catch the football. Who throws that football? Uh, Tom Brady. You're, so, you're such a pain in the ass. You really are. No. You are, this is, you're a pain no, in the butt. No, but this is what I'm saying. Tom Brady has never had a – like a, he had Randy Moss for a season and a half. And beyond that, who else was catching the football in New England? He's had Gronkowski. He has Wes Welker. He had Julian Edelman. Come on, dude. He, he, Wes Welker wasn't there that long. And then they was, switched to – Wes Welker was there for five years. Yeah, five years. Then they kicked them out. That, 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 that's right. And where did he go? He, oh, I'm sorry. He went to uh, the hold on Broncos, where he played in a Super Bowl with them. So, right, yeah. right, yeah, played, yeah, great, played in the Super Bowl. He he was pretty good, but he didn't spend all his time with Tom Brady. He was there for that's five or I'm six saying. years with Tom Brady. Right, and then they said he's they had good out. weapons. Stop sitting here. And he, his offensive he, lines were pretty good. Were pretty they were, good. They were not. They were not pretty good. You know how I can tell you they were pretty good. How the Tom Brady made the offensive line, and we can just the proof is in the pudding. Let's ask Speedy. Hey, Speedy, how was Nate Solder? Did you oh enjoy God, that experience? what a train wreck! Did you did you enjoy that experience? Speedy? Oh God, that was how a was train Nate wreck. Solder? A train wreck, and again, th- that was for that much money. The start of a great tenure of Dan and, and it has a lot to do people. with the offensive coach that was there. They had an no, elite. It has a lot to do with. They it. have Brady an elite the offensive coach. After a snap, so those offensive line like have low sack numbers. So the rest of the league thinks they're pretty good, and they're not. Again, going back to the offensive line coach, who is one of, is the greatest offensive line coach, which every single team was reaching out and reaching out to Belichick, trying to trying to interview the guy, and he never wanted to coach in the NFL. Never wanted to coach. As no, he just coach. wanted to be an offensive line. That's guy. it. He knew his. That's he it. Knew his hey, listen, you got to give the guy credit for being smart. How many coordinators think that they can? Oh, I can run the show, and they can't. Joe Judge, right? Like, yeah. how many? Like, you see a lot of those guys. And he was Josh like, McDaniels, say Joe Judge. I at this rate, I don't want another ex-Patriot every single to cover the Giants. Every single Patriots coach, practically, that's left Bill Belichick, have not succeeded. Do we count Mike Vrabel? What Vrabel? Yeah, he was Mike a Vrabel? linebacker coach. He was never, but I don't think he was with the Patriots. Was he wasn't the, with Houston. No, he was. He was. He was with the Patriots. He was a linebacker coach how for about, a little how bit. About, do we do we count Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien's been successful. Bill O'Brien stink, stunk as a coach. 
He stunk. Wins the only the reason championships at Alabama. Yeah, yeah and only Alabama fans hate him and want I mean, to fire. You have one of the greatest uh, you know college coaches to ever coach over there. So good luck. That's because that's because Ling, uh, That's because uh, Nick Saban does great things and he hires like. Here's the great he thing almost hired Adam Gase, so don't say that. No, no, no. Hey, listen, <laughs> that would work because, like, think about this. Anytime any business is successful, like, look at Alabama as a business. Mm-hmm. If you look at any successful business, the mm-hmm. person at the top never thinks he's the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. and always hires other really smart people. Steve Sarkeesian was always an OC for him. Lane Kiffin was an OC for him. Bill O'Brien, like, he's hired some really successful dudes because – for, like you're gonna like laugh, but Nick Saban takes the ego out of it. He's got a big ego for sure, but not really when it comes to. Did you ever see the documentary people. The Two Bills? Yes, of course. Okay, and and then did you see the documentary with Bill and Nick? Did you did you see that documentary? But which Bill? <laughs> which Bill? Bill you Belichick the, the and, and and Nick Saban. They did they did a documentary together. Uh, I might have seen it. I'm not sure if I remember it, really. Well, it, it, it's very interesting. And I, I did watch both the Two Bills and the documentary with Nick Sabian and Bill Belichick. Actually, when you look at Nick Sabian and Bill Belichick, the more likable coach is Bill Belichick. Nick Sabian oh is, is a cold, boring person. He's very – like Bill Belichick, I've, when watching that, a lot of the players love him because he's, he has a dry personality, but he's actually very, very funny. So, did you see the? Uh, did you hear the two stories that Peyton Manning just told this week? No, I did. Hilarious stories. So Bill Belichick hated Art Modell mm-hmm. because Art Modell moved uh, from Cleveland to Baltimore. He was the guy right. that, that pulled that off. Right, that whole yeah. thing, or Indianapolis, uh, whatever it was. No, it was right? Cleveland. We moved the Browns to the Ravens. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, he he picked Peter Bulware, uh one of his early seasons for the Pro Bowl just because he knew that uh, Art Modell would have to pay him $2 million Mm. for making the Pro Bowl. So he did it to punish Art Modell. And then the other thing that he did, which everybody laughed at, was there was some center. I don't know who it was. You can look up the story or whatever. There was some center that was playing. And the center for the Pro Bowl got hurt. And he picked this other center just because he was dating Pamela Anderson and he thought it would be cool if the players got their <laughs> Oh, I did hear Pamela that. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did hear that. I you're right. I I'm, I'm looking up who Bill the Belichick is. did that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I heard you know watching that documentary with Nick and Bill, you could see why people don't like Nick Saban cuz you could see how very cold he really is. I I mean, not around his family, not around his kids. Bill Belichick every single thing that I saw in that documentary and comparing in the comparison between both of them, even when they play golf, when Nick in the off season, Bill and Nick actually play golf together. You could see the different, you know, personalities that they are even playing golf and, and the type of, you know, type of, you know, personalities they are off, off the field as not just as coach, just as normal people. I, I think it's very, in, very interesting when you're trying to compare both coaches because everybody says Nick Saban is the greatest college coach to ever coach college football and college sports. He probably is. And, probably and Bill is. Belichick is probably the greatest coach, not only in not football. Probably, he is. No, I'm, I'm talking about greatest coach in, in professional sports <laughs> history. I mean, winning, you know, six Super Bowls is pretty amazing. So it's 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 I know it's amazing when everybody looks at Phil Jackson and how many championships he's won, not only as a player but as a coach and Pat Riley as a coach. I, I mean, basketball is different from football. It's harder 
to to rebuild championship after championship team with really different rosters, 53, 53-man rosters, 56-man well, rosters. I basketball and football can be, can be comparable just because of the sheer amount of players that you right. have to have. Yes, and it's different because you you have to – you have to be good in you know so many different aspects of the game. It's not just I mean, a, one I mean, ball. A basketball, a, I mean, a football team is three times bigger than a what's a, what's a basketball team? Sixteen guys. Yeah, a basketball team is fifteen. They only they, they only play they really ten guys. Only play. They only play ten guys. And some teams play less. They only play like seven guys. Right, but sometimes. it doesn't. Right, but that doesn't matter because there's some NFL players that don't play. So you're comparing fifteen guys. Well, I, I think 15. if you before they changed it to fifty six from fifty three. Uh, out of those fifty-three men rosters, you probably see at least forty-eight out of the fifty-three play. I mean, they because of injuries. You see, all, you see all of them and then more because you will also see an injury and then a guy get called up. Yeah. from the, the other ten yep. guys from the practice. Yeah, right. And and that's the difference. I, I think it's pretty amazing. Or free agents. What Bill Belichick has done, and I I'm not a Bill Belichick fan, as everybody knows, but I have to give him props for what he is as a head coach. Give him flowers, baby. Give him flowers. He, he's 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 a great head coach. The guy knows how to win, and and players really uh, you know flow through him. And and Randy Moore said something very interesting about Bill Belichick too when. When, when seeing some of the things that he, he spoke about when he was with the Patriots, he says there was never a coach that would come to me and tell me how it is and I could sit there and take it from that coach because I was Randy Moss. But when Bill came to me and when Bill told me I, he didn't like something, he didn't like this play, he didn't like that play, I had to sit back and, 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 and bite my tongue. He said because it, it, because it was because it's Bill Belichick, and he says that was the the respect he drew through obviously Super Bowl champions, Pro Bowl players, all Pro players that came to play for the Patriots because it and was you Bill think Belichick. Belichick's no fun. You think Belichick's no fun? Him and Randy Moss went roller skating. Yeah, I saw nice. that. I, I saw that, and, and, and again, Bill Belichick. For what what people say about him, you know what he, what he says when he when he speaks to the press, the press conference, it is it, it's when you watch who he is with the whole Nick Saban thing, and if and if anybody didn't see the HBO special with Nick and Bill, it's called Nick and Bill, I think it's called. Uh, it is a great documentary to see who these 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 coaches are off the field with their families and who they are with their their players. Bill Belichick is so much more likable. Than Nick Saban, so much it's not even close. Nick Saban's an ass. So, so what does the schedule look like for the Chargers in the last four games? We know the, they have the Rams. The, the they got they got to play the Titans. They got and they got to play the Broncos and Colts and the Rams and the Rams. Yeah. So they'll beat the so Colts. They're going to probably win two games. They'll beat the they'll beat the Broncos and the Colts. I don't. The Broncos might not be easy though because they always play them close. So that could go either way. They, the, the history with the Chargers against the AFC and you West saw what the Broncos did last week against Kansas City. And you saw what the yeah, Broncos even did earlier in the season against the Chargers. They only lost nineteen to sixteen. If if they do that against the Chargers, they beat the Chargers because the Chargers are not Kansas City and they're not a high flying offense like Kansas City is. So that's the difference, and and then on Patrick, as much as I like Justin Herbert, oh, and I like Justin Herbert, not like if you would like, let's be honest, the Chargers going to be favorites in those two games, mm-hmm. right? of course, of course. right? So more than likely, they're going to win those two games. Yeah, probably. You know who, and so who are the other two games? So the Titans this week could be hard because that'll be hard. Yeah, yeah. They, the Titans play good D. They play good defense and they run the ball well. And they lost. The Chargers stopped. And last they lost week, their last game, but so. still, they're not a good run defense. Then it's the Ram. Then it's the Colts at Indianapolis, and then home against the Rams, which is not really a home game. And then the Broncos in Denver the last week of the season. 
I mean, so they have four very winnable games. Will they win all of them? No, certainly they won't. But, but you can't also they, buy you can't also buy that Miami's going to win every one of their games. They're eight and five. They could lose this week going into Buffalo, and they could fall out. They could very much fall out. I like McDaniel's. I I think he's a great young coach. He's funny. He's small. He looks like a little leprechaun, but. I, 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 I am not sold with Tua. In the last two weeks, he has looked horrible. And and did you hear what Tyreek Hill said at the end of, after the game? I did. It's not a good look. It's not. Here again, here again, you're barking up the wrong tree with this narrative. How Speedy, how long have I been calling him Hawaiian Tebow? Three seasons? Yeah, pretty much. No, I'm just I'm just right. saying that a lot of people think that Miami might fall out of this. Right. Scrape another Alabama quarterback into the garbage. <laughs> Let's do it. The, hey, the only one that is thriving really is Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. So he's been yep. he's MVP. been unbelievable. He is the MVP of the league right, right. now. And, and this is. is and this is what'll happen. And don't let these people do it. Don't let them do it because they they rejected him. But Alabama people will try to claim him. Don't let them do it. They rejected him. We don't call Joe Burrow Ohio State quarterback Joe Burrow. They rejected him. Now, well, our. Uh... West from our from our gambling show still to us, but no, I mean, not it's, really. It's, it's right. No one does it. No one does it. He's an LSU quarterback. So don't let Alabama people, those mouth breathers, try to claim Jalen Hurts. It's <laughs> yeah, the, same, the same quote unquote mouth breathers. They want to fire Bill O'Brien. <laughs> well, I, listen. No, nah, he hasn't done Bill well. O'Brien. I'm with I'm with him on that. I'm kind of with him. No, he that. he's done he's done just about as good as he can do. I mean, who was who was. Who are any of the wide receivers? No, this team? year, this year he's done well. I agree. I'm talking about, I'm, I was talking about more last year, like s- some other years too. Like they will, or the year after he got fired from the Texans, everyone wanted him gone. I honestly, I, mean, I, I think Bill O'Brien's an overrated head coach. I, I don't think he's great. I, I don't. Bill O'Brien's a better coach than you think. Than you think, and you're giving him credit for. Let's let's talk about the unbelievable job he did that he doesn't get credit for. Who else would have kept Penn State out of the sure. shitter? Yeah, and what did he do to Penn State after he he took him out after one year? He leaves a head coach. He leaves and flees to the Texans and ruins the Texans. Ruins that organization. No, that's not him. That's Jack Easterby. He's a snake oil salesman. That guy's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, I mean you can't listen. You know, when you when you when you have to deal with these other idiots, because Bill <coughs> O'Brien, again, let's let's use the Bill Parcells metaphor here. Mm-hmm. They're asking you to cook the meal, but they're not letting you pick the groceries. And with Jack Easterby in Houston, that was going to just be destined to fail. I also think when when you're trying to compare and contrast a coach and, and what a coach did in college and what he's done in the NFL, you have to be wary on how you attack it. And I understand you like Bill O'Brien. Uh, or you like what he's done over think, there with I, Alabama? No, 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 no. I think he, I think he knows football, and I think that there, there's a place for him in football. Yes, I think I he's an offensive coordinator. That's what I think he right, is. That's what I. That's just yes. what I was going to say. Is that's I don't what, think yes. that he's a head coach. Yes, but you'd be you'd be hard pressed. I would. Say he's I would love him as my offensive coordinator for the Jets. That's uh, much. I mean, right, absolutely. Hundred percent. Right, what I'm saying though is, and and people are dogging him. No, he's an unbelievable coach because. He was the architect of a lot of those Patriots teams. Oh yeah, he's the one he's, who brought he brought the dual threat of the tight ends. He, he's the one. Well, he's, that's Belichick, but Brady, yeah, but, but he had to cook up the offense. But O'Brien but yeah, no. had to cook it up, and and he's right. the one who cooked that up. Right. So, but this is what but this is what I'm saying. There's a place for him there. He would be an elite coordinator. Is he a good head coach? No. Is he a good college head coach? Yes. But like that's apples and oranges, right? right? So like, so 
there's a place for him there. He could be an elite coordinator. That's why I have just trouble going, oh, all these failed New England guys. That's not a failed New England guy. That's a guy. I'm talking, any, I'm, I'm any, speaking. Any team in the league would love to have as a coordinator. I'm speaking really about as a head coach, not as an offensive coordinator. Which he was a below average head coach, but I think it got really worse when he started to become a GM too, and that really messed but everything Errol, up. You can't, but Errol, you can't do that either though because – you just spent 20 minutes going on and on about how Dante Skarnecki was the best offensive line coach maybe to ever do it. Mm -hmm. So you can't just like, look in the NFL, it takes a whole group. It's not just one guy. There are better leaders than others. Speedy, am I, am I one of those guys that always say it's the ultimate team sport? Yeah. I'm always the one that says it. Always the I one. I understand that, but you can't go these New England guys don't work because they do. And everybody gives well, a, when I when I listen to when I listen to people say that it's just Tom Brady, that's why they won the Super Bowl, I say you're it's a joke. That's not true. They have to have a team to win. It's it, Tom Brady played a big part of it, but they need the coaches. They need the offense. Right, but, they need the defense. Right, but there's also guys that do more with less, right? Uh, that's fine. That that's fine, more. but it wasn't just Tom Brady that won those Super Bowls. It, it wasn't. No, uh, no, I understand that. And I realize that you're doing that just to deny his greatness. No, I get it, but no, you're just... no, I'm not. No, but I'm not. But you're now with, with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. You know? this, And this is what greed does. Greed. This is why the Cowboys will never win. Because of greed. <laughs> right? These guys, these quarterbacks that have gotten monster contracts, are any of them winning? Not really. And I understand that. And and again, we'll have to see what happens in the offseason and where some of these teams and uh, maybe these quarterbacks decide to go. Maybe Tom Brady does go to San Francisco. Maybe because he goes back to the Patriots. Thing, dude, mark my words. The next thing that you're going to see happen, because it happens a little bit to the Chiefs and they're kind of weathering the storm a little. Mm-hmm. But the next thing you're going to see is an absolute pillaging of the Buffalo Bills. They can't pay everybody. They're going to lose a lot of pieces. Oh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they're, they're going to lose a lot of veteran guys. Now they've drafted well, which has helped. But you're, you're you a still lot of these. That a lot of these young. There are two youngsters that really stick out to me. But the rest of the team, I, I don't know, man. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of players that just I think over. There's a lot of players on that team that you'd love to have on yours. And I realize you like your linebackers. You'd take Matt Milano on your team. You I, would. I, Matt Milano is amazing. He's a good player. Yeah, but, but I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I you, I, I Quincy, like Quincy, Quincy Williams. Yeah, Quincy but, Williams but is a Ed great Oliver, player. Ed Oliver is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a good player. No question that he is. I remember when he was drafted. Came no, from Houston. Right, Jeff, was Jeff was the captain of the Ed Oliver hype trade. I remember that. Uh, listen, all the guys I've hyped, they all turn out to be something. Maybe I know what I'm talking about here. Who was the first guy on Sauce? Who was the first? You were all right, Jeff. Let's 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 get off of it. Thank you for calling. Who was the guy on Garrett Wilson? This guy. All right, let's. Well, I was call, like, call back tomorrow. Olave into the bin. Call back tomorrow. We have a we have a really we have a really good show. We have a lot of great guests tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you and you had better be getting into a Mike Leach tribute. The pirate was amazing. I, that was the first thing I said in the beginning of the show. Thank you, Jeff. The pirate was amazing. Yes, you know who's was. not amazing? The Islander. They stink. Oh, goodbye, they Jeff. <laughs> goodbye, Jeff. Thank you. Another do it. Jeez. <laughs> I knew he was going to bring up the Islanders one way or another. And they don't stink. First of all, they're right there with all the lead, uh, the the uh, Metropolitan Division leaders, okay? Uh, obviously, New Jersey is still up there, but... Carolina's only three games ahead of them, and who's the other team ahead of Pittsburgh. them? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is three points ahead of them. So uh, it's not by much, and and the Islanders need to start playing better. And 
and maybe they add another big offensive weapon, uh, uh, as everybody has been there is stories coming out that the Islanders have reached out to the Canucks for a center, Bo Horvat. Horvat. The question is, I don't know how serious this is. The Canucks did offer Horvat a, a pretty nice contract uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he, him, and his team denied it. Uh, they don't, they don't want it. So obviously, it wasn't enough. Or maybe he doesn't want to be a Canuck anymore. Mm-hmm. He's still a youngster. He's still in, in twenty-seven. His, yep. He's in a prime of his career. He's one of the best centers in the league. He's one of the best players in the league at his position. Now, what is it going to take for the Islanders to get him a lot? Mm-hmm. It's going. We, me and Speedy we were talking about it before the show. I said, what, what would it take for the Islanders to get him? And Walsham would have to be in invo- involved with it. Either Pellick or Dobson would have to be involved with it, and maybe a first and a second. To get him, I mean, it's a lot, and and maybe Lou is willing to do that if he thinks he's a missing piece. Maybe you throw in Pajot where you don't have to throw in a first round draft pick. I don't know. Right. I mean, Pajot is a good face off guy. He he's right there, one of the elite face off guys in the league. Um, he's also a little expensive, so I, I don't know if the Canucks are going to possibly take on a contract like that. So Yeah, it also signals that they're probably going to look to rebuild, too, because they were also yes. looking to trade JT Miller last offseason. They were also looking to trade Brock Besser before they gave him they a They also have a offer. pretty good defenseman in use over there that wants to go and play with his brothers. Uh-huh. So, so you're going to need some of – you're going to need young – controllable players back. So if you're the Islanders, you definitely are going to have to trade some guys that are on your roster already. Now, I saw something else uh, with their top prospect, Aturati. Do they consider moving him if they don't want to trade anything on their yeah. on their NHL roster is another question because I'm sure the Islanders are not going to want to have to trade one of the defensemen if they don't have to, they especially have, Dobson. They too, have two yeah. good young offensive players that are future possibly stars. The, the Canadian kid, uh, what's his name again? Dubois? Dubois, yeah. Dubois and... And obviously, Ante Ranta, who everybody uh, the, believed the Islanders stole in the second round when he was uh, the year before, was going to be possibly the number one pick in the draft right. and then fell out of it, fell out of love for everybody for whatever it was worth. But everybody says uh, that he could have made the team this year. So uh, it's just right now, you don't want to bring him into the league when you have, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out what your team's going to be in the next year or so. So, and I think. You have to figure out what Oliver Wallstrom is. You got to figure out who's gonna who's going to play on the other side of Barzell. Who so far nobody's worked out. Right. Nobody. And again, it's also the dilemma of is that do they think that is going to be the missing piece yes. for their for their whole offense too? Because they're they're deep at center as it is now. They would. You're right. They probably, always have been. They 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 could trade Pajot possibly if they do get Bo Horvat. They they're going to have to. They're going to have to. Uh, I know. You and if up. you bring in Horvat, do you move Barzell to a wing? That's possible, too. Right. So that's the other thing you have to figure out. You have to rearrange. Because we've heard the Islanders in trade rumors. You move Anders Lee to the second line. Possibly, yeah. Uh, That's what I would do with Brock Nelson. And then you 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 put Horvat as as your number number one guy, and then Barzell on the other side. So you have a you have a lead lead guy that can set him up. But I will say this: Boston is the best team in the NHL right now. I mean, what we saw yesterday, and the Islanders had amazing comeback. They really did. And, And and Volamov gave up. Really, one really bad goal. But besides that, Volamov played well. I, I think Boston is the better team right now. We have to see what the Islanders are going to be after the, all, the All-Star break. And right now, I think the elite team in the NHL right now, the, the team to beat, is the Boston Bruins. They've 
They I, I, have they lost. The, I think they lost one game. They lost on one home. game at home to Vegas. That was the only one, one game, and that was only recently. That was only like a week and a half ago, or something. And that's like the that. first time I think the uh, that the Boston Bruins had a shootout on on their home ice. Oh wow! Year. Okay. Yes. So um, I, I don't know what the Islanders are yet. We have to see um, as the games start to pick up. The Islanders' schedule has been really, really brutal. It is a brutal schedule. That now they're playing five away games. They they go into Boston. They get a tie out of that. They have to. They're not playing a home game for at least a week and a half. Yeah, I've noticed the NHL has done that a lot this year. It's very weird. They used to do a lot of three game road trips. Not really five. I've seen teams on five game road trips and seven game road trips this year already. I think the Red Wings got back from one that was like a 12-day road trip or something like that. Seven games in 12 days on the road, and they just got home from that, too. Congratulations to Alexander Ovechkin, who scored his 800th goal, which puts him in third all-time. I do believe he'll play until he breaks Wayne Gretzky's record. I think he will. Um, He is the greatest goal. I believe he is the greatest goal scorer to ever play the game, and when he's all said and done, he wants that record. And Mm -hmm. I think he'll play until then. He's going to score at least 40 goals this year. He could even score 50. So it, it's it's an amazing career that he has had. He's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. In this era, he is the greatest player. If you want to compare him to Sidney Crosby, who do I think is better? I, I think Ovechkin. Now, Crosby won more championships, but I think the the talent on the ice of what both players have done and, and all-around talent, uh, he can hit, he yeah. can penalty kill, uh, he could score, he could pass. Honestly, I think Ovechkin's the best player we've seen in the last 15 years. That, that and that's the truth. Now, right. McDavid is the next guy and I yeah. I mean what McDavid's doing right now is just ridiculous. I mean, the guy is what, 25 goals already? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's on his way to score 60 goals this year. He had a 120 goals. point season last year and now this year he's on a face. I mean, we expected similar. this. And Edmonton still, they're not that good. I mean, they have thirty. They're in thirty games. They're seventeen and thirteen. They have they're the Islanders have a better spot, record yeah. than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in a wild card spot in a weaker division. Too, you know, so. and, and 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 by the way, Seattle. I I'm very impressive what Seattle the Krakens are doing right now. It is they don't really have a super superstar on that team. They really don't. Nope. And it, it's pretty amazing uh, defensively the way they've played this year. They've only given up ninety one goals. Uh, their goaltending has been fantastic, and, and they're scoring goals. They they. Even players that you never even heard of are scoring goals. So it's it's amazing. The teams that have been absolutely poor this year, and I'll say this, Colorado's better than this. They're absolutely better than this. Minnesota is better than what they are. Mm-hmm. Nashville is better than what they are. St. Louis is better what they, than what they are. Okay, St. Louis has 27 points. I mean, you're talking about Craig Berube on the hot seat. Yeah. I mean, he could be. Now, we've seen this team completely change it around at the All-Star break. And maybe they do that, or maybe they trade off pieces. Maybe it's time to rebuild this team and this organization. Now, yep. I don't know if that's what St. Louis plans to do, but you know, I was thinking, I think it was like four years ago, they won a Stanley Cup. Right, and they've so, already lost a lot of those pieces anyway because two of them went to Seattle. Vince Dunn, who's played very well, probably their best defenseman this year, and then Jane Schwartz, the other one. And they've been in rumors, obviously, with Tarasenko yeah. and the Islanders, too, and all the goaltending debacles that they've had. Bennington's been awful this year, and and he, Huso, their backup last year, is in Detroit playing well. And to me, like I said, the best team in the NHL, even by record, is the Boston Bruins. They are really very hard to beat. And mm-hmm. home team-wise, they're... They're elites. So, 
Uh, if they have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs, watch out. I mean, Boston's going to be hard to beat. But again, this might not be the same Boston team in the second half of the season. Maybe they find in, they find an injury or two that could hurt them. I, it doesn't matter who's in the in the net. Swayman, Ullman, whatever, whoever it is, they right. they're winning. Yeah. So and their defense has been sensational, and they don't even have their top defensive players still. They're missing one or two of them. Yeah, and so. the question with them was always depth, and they finally have it this year. Will it continue the whole season's another question. But the Bruins last year, the problem with why they couldn't get a higher seed is they were always just so top-heavy. They had great – Pasternak was probably an MVP candidate before he got hurt and stuff like that. But their top, their bottom six was awful. I mean, Vegas is having a great year. Yeah. So, obviously, they, they bring in the Bruins' ex-head coach. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the, the Bruins bring in a coach that – understands this offense, understands this defense, and it's helping them, you know, figure things out. And their goals against is the best in the league. I mean, they have the best goals against average in all of the NHL, and that says a lot about the coaching and what they have done. So congratulations to the Bruins. They're, they've been a fantastic, fantastic team. So. It's, it's weird. Three three surprising coaching firings last year were Boston, the Islanders, and I, I seem to remember somebody telling us that Boston is not going to be good. This is a bridge year for yeah, the Boston so Bruins. Either. No, it was Jeff that oh, said. Jeff did too? He said, in oh. the, he said last year with all the injuries that they have and going into the season with a new coach, they're not going to be any good until the second half of the season. That's what he said. Yeah, it is. He says because of all the – but boy, was he wrong about that. Yeah. Okay, um, there have been three three coaches: Boston, the Islanders, and Dallas. All strangely fired their coaches. They went to their coaches went to new spots. Vegas, obviously, getting the Bruins coach. Uh, Rick Bonus for Dallas went to Winnipeg, and Winnipeg and Dallas are both top two in their division right now. And then the Islanders are improved with Lane Lambert now instead of Trotz. Now Trotz obviously hasn't got somewhere else. We'll see where he goes, but still, all improvements on that front. The Mets sign. Uh, I want to get into some baseball conversation. The Mets sign Japanese pitcher um, Kadai, who Kadai Sagan Senga. I'm sorry, I always mess up his name, Senga, who. Pitched very well in Japan for for the last ten years. Okay, he's I think twenty nine years old. Uh, he is, I guess, in the prime of his career. He wanted to come into the majors, like a lot of these Japanese pitchers, and 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 play in the major leagues against the elite players in 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 all of baseball throughout the country, throughout the world. I don't know what he is. I believe his first year will be a great year. We've seen a lot of these pitchers come into the major leagues. None of these hitters have ever seen them throw the ball. And they pitch very well in the first year. This is the the way you really understand how these pitchers have become successful is it's the second and third year when these hitters get to see them three or four times every single year, or a, you know, obviously in their division, fourteen, you know, not fourteen times, but five or six times every single year. I want to see what this kid's, uh, you know, Kadai does when he has to pitch again against these teams over and over and over again. So. Do I think this is a good move for the Mets? I think it was an affordable move by the yeah. Mets. Walker got a lot of money, and, and we know what Walker is. We don't know what this kid is. Senga got a five-year deal. If he's any good or if he becomes an elite pitcher, the Mets got him on the cheap. Five years, seven, five million dollars. If he's mediocre, you still got him on the cheap. Five years, 75 million for a pitcher that could pitch 28 to 30 games, who has been fairly healthy his whole career in Japan. So, that's what you want. You want health. Tanaka, say whatever you want about Tanaka. Tanaka was a great playoff pitcher, one. Two, Tanaka 
even with the UCL partial tear, he played and he was consistent. He play, He pitched 25, 26 starts every single year for the Yankees. If the Mets could get 26, 27 starts from this guy, Kadai, Senga, I, it's a win for the Mets. Yeah. It's an absolute win. It's funny. You actually mentioned Tanaka. That was actually my bridge because yes. Billy Epler helped scout Tanaka, too, when they brought when the Yankees brought him in. Brian Cashman brought him in in 2014. And he also obviously was with the Angels before, so he's experienced with the experience of bringing in Otani, too. So the last two, those have probably been the last two successful, really successful Japanese guys. Otani was an MVP last year, or an MVP candidate this year. And Tanaka, he was a good pitcher. I wouldn't say he was like elite, but he was a good pitcher, I would say. He was. He was a great player. He, he could – you could argue that there were a couple of years that he was elite. There were certain years, yeah. Yeah, he, it was a couple he, of years. So, like two. But, yeah, that's fair. Nevertheless, those are the last he two – He was an elite playoff pitcher. Yes, he, really he was. was. definitely was an elite playoff pitcher. So those are the last two really successful Japanese players. So Epler maybe has a little bit of a leeway when it comes to that. And when it comes to his numbers, he's been very consistent when it comes to having two ERAs in his last five years playing full-time as a Japan. And his strikeout rate for only starting 13 games in most of those seasons is very high. He's in the 150s, which a lot of people – a lot of starting pitchers don't get to in today's baseball in 20 starts. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign. Now, obviously, the competition's a lot different. Uh, J- Japan has different as, balls, yeah, right? You know, different, obviously. bigger fields, like stuff like that. Like, so it's a little easier sometimes for these pitchers to be able to do well right away. But again, we also, you're right. The first year dynamic is also something that can the, you trust to continue. The elite years that Tanaka was his first year, first year, 13, 13 and five with a two point seven seven ERA. And his whip was, if I'm not mistaken, 1.056. That was that's an elite year. Okay. His other year that he w- I would say he's elite. He was 14 and four with almost a two, a 3.07 ERA. His whip was 1.077. Yeah, that's an all star year. Yes, it, it was an elite year, and he had uh, 170, 70, 165 strikeouts and. Uh, his, you know, he only gave up 140 yard runs. Right. So those are he had two elite years, but in the playoffs, he was a he was a dominant force. Yeah. He was very hard to hit in, in the playoffs, and uh, so I would say he had elite years. Now I I don't know what he's going. I don't know what Kadai Sanga is going to be with the Mets in the National League East, which you're playing against the Braves. You're playing against now Philadelphia. That's yeah. loaded. Yeah. I mean, and the, outside's another ex Smith pitcher too in Taiwan Walker. Yeah. So you. <laughs> You're going to have to play loaded teams in the same division where you have to go. You're going to have to play against some of the best lineups in baseball. So the other thing too, like you mentioned, is the first year after that, what'll end up happening? Because a lot of these Japanese players do have that great first year, yep. and then they flame out after Giovanni. I just said that. Yeah, Kosuke Fukudome, a good example of that, was a rookie of the year, and then <laughs> where was he after the kid that, that went to the uh, the Boston Red Sox? Matsuzaka. Matsuzaka. Later, later in New York Mets too on the 2013 like old man. His New best York Mets. year was his first year. And then yep. he completely flamed off. But yeah, that's that's the thing. I that's the thing you have to watch if you're the Mets to be able to judge that kind of thing. But I do think the money is affordable. Like I think I think those guys that got paid, they got paid bigger than uh, I think Otani got paid the most. But I think beyond that, the other guys got paid more than Senga did. So I think that at least the money will work. The Giants signed Carlos Correa to a 13 year, 350 million dollar contract. He had a pretty good year with the Twins. He did. Um, he's still in the prime of his career. I think he's like 27, he's 28. Yeah. yeah, he's right there and. 13 years is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot, and that means by the time he retires, he'll be 42, 43 years old. He's not going to play that long. Now, getting a 350, obviously the Giants were very desperate because they didn't get Aaron Judge. And just think about it this way. Aaron Judge got $360 million from the Yankees 
for 10 years, right? It was nine years. I'm nine sorry. Years. Nine years. This kid, Correa, got only $10 million less than Aaron Judge. That's guaranteed right. money. Remember, baseball, it's guaranteed money. He took, obviously, more. They, they gave him more years. That shows you how desperate they were after they lost Aaron Judge. They needed to bring a star in. Correa is a good player. I, I would say an elite shortstop in this league. He is. But being that he is 29 years old, only two years younger than Aaron Judge, to give him only $10 million less than Aaron Judge. Yes, Aaron Judge is making more yearly because of the, the years that he got from the Yankees. I think you were really reaching on this. You could have waited until the offseason. You could have went after Otani. You, remember, San Francisco is right there, with right next to L.A., where the Angels are playing. He he might have gone to the Giants. Maybe maybe you wait for Soto. Maybe Soto becomes available. There's a lot of players that are going. Machado is going to be available next year. He He's going to opt out of that uh, the San Diego contract because he's going to want more money, especially if he has a big-time season. I mean, you could have... Taking a flyer on the kid, the shortstop for the Padres, who just got uh, suspended. Tatis. Tatis. You could have taken a you know flyer on him. I would have taken I, – I know everybody keeps saying he did steroids. I would take more of a flyer for him, being, being that he's only 23, 24 years old, than taking a 29-year-old player and giving him 13 years. Yeah, for a contract that long, yeah, I would say. Definitely. I mean, Tatis got like a, a 10-year deal, which is – I think he has eight years left on that deal, but it's an affordable contract. It's a really good contract. It's the average annual value for Tatis's contract is only twenty five. So comparatively to that, Correa's is twenty six point nine. I've been hearing that the Yankees are interested in. That. I did, I heard that too, which is very interesting to see what his market is right now <laughs> with all, everything. Now, the that question is: last Are the year. are the Yankees going to be willing if they give Rodon that contract? Are they willing to overpay for one year? to pay Tatis and then wait until the offseason when you're losing contracts right. like Donaldson and, and all these other guys. There's like five or six guys coming off next year and, and, and just taking a flyer on Tatis. And maybe they, they hit right on Tatis. I, I mean, he, I still think Tatis is a good player. He's a fantastic player. Right? I, I do. I, I don't know what the steroids did for him, but I still think he's going to hit for average. He's a good hitter. He's a, a sensational defensive player. He's a five-tool player. Mm-hmm. So, and he can run, he can steal, he can do everything. And he can play multiple positions in the infield. I think the Yankees should take a flyer on him. I really do. Now, what are they going to have to give up for him? Now, obviously, the steroid thing is going to hurt his trade value. So you're not going to get top prospects for him. You'll get second-tier prospects. You're not going to get Volpe for him. But you might be able to get Pereza for him. Uh, Pereza and maybe another prospect, maybe a Dominguez. Who's another prospect for them? If are the Yankees willing to trade Dominguez, a switch hitter, to go to San Diego if they lose Machado or lose Soto in free agency next year? So it's definitely interesting, and I think the Yankees should look at that. The other question is, do they because they're a really good team already? Are they going to want prospects, or maybe they just want other guys to help out? Isn't their team Tatis right a now? lefty? Uh, no, he's a righty. A righty, righty. He's a righty, but. Again, even so, the Padres right, just went to the NLCS. Like, why not? <laughs> Machado's a lefty. No, Machado's a righty. Right. No, no, Machado's no. a righty too. Hosmer's a lefty, and Soto's a lefty. Uh, I don't know no. which one you were confusing with. No. Uh, Cronenworth's also lefty too. So, I, I mean, maybe it was Soto. Okay, but nevertheless, the Padres just went to the NLCS. Mm. 
maybe they make a trade to win now, get more pitching depth or something like that, because they're not going to be able to pay everybody. They just pay mm-hmm. Bogarts all that money, and that's why the trade rumors are swirling with Tatis. And also, because of that value, how much is that going to be worth in the prospect? Because as great of a player as he is, one, he's always hurt, and two, is there the extra baggage between the motorcycle accident and the steroid thing now is another question. And the Padres, you're talking about it with the locker room stuff earlier. I don't think that has anything to do with it anything. It could value, depending on what team does it, it could it could have make an impact of the what steroid the trade thing is the most important thing. I, I really do. I, I think it's the steroid thing and, and, and you will, you, they will lose value for him because of the steroid thing. Anything else, the motorcycle thing, whatever the hell he was doing off the field, he is not going to be able to do that. If he's a Yankee, the Yankees will not allow him to do that. That has a lot. That was one of the reasons why I've called Provano hated being a Yankee. He hated being a Yankee. If you remember what happened with him and when he got hurt, he, <laughs> He lost control of his Porsche, and some wiener truck hit him or something oh, like that. And that's why he hurt his – I think he hurt his ankle or his knee, and he was out for the season. If you remember, Carl Profano, the Yankees, overpaid. He came from the Marlins. Everybody remembers that. And uh, I remember the story. Uh, the Yankees told him to be a little bit more careful when he drives his Porsche and all that other stuff, and the Yankees hated him. I- I'm telling you, the Yankees – hated Carl Pavano, and, and the fans hated Carl Pavano because the time that everybody thought that Carl Pavano was going to take his game to the next level, coming to New York, he, he grew up a Yankee fan. If I'm not mistaken, he was from the Connecticut area. I'm not, I'm, I, don't quote me on that, but he, he grew up a Yankee fan. I didn't know that. He wanted to be a Yankee very, very badly, and it just didn't work out here. Now, uh, I don't know what Tatis is as a player still without the steroids, but I think the, Yan- the Yankees, if they can get him, if you could trade a Pereza and maybe two other, you know, prospects, maybe you don't have to trade Dominguez and Volpe. If you can take a flyer on Tatis and, and hit on this, this could be a very big steal for the Yankees. And mm-hmm. and bring in Rodon. I mean, you had the best offseason. If, if if the Yankees bring back Aaron Judge, Rodon, and make a trade for Tatis, it's the best season. It's the best offseason for any baseball team. Mm-hmm. And to sit here and, and and you can't really argue that the Yankees didn't win the offseason. If they get Rodon, they won the offseason. Yeah. Rodon, at the current value that he's asking for, for $30 million for six years, you, you should take. That, that's a really well, good Well, I'm contract. seeing The Yankees gave him an offer, supposedly. I don't know what the offer it, is. I looked it up before the show. There was no official <laughs> offer yet. They only said they were discussing it at the moment. Oh, I, I, I was reading Rod- that there was an offer. Rodon, Ro- yeah, it, might not just been, it hasn't been leaked to the public yet. Yeah. That was what I was saying. That's so, what I think, too. They're still, they're still trying to figure it out. But Rodon wants the seventh year. Would the Yankees give him the seventh year is the other question because the Yankees were trying to target the sixth year. I think year. they should. Now, as far as Tatis, it it does seem like the kind of trade, though, that Brian Cashman would, would make at that time where they could still benefit on the value because there is going to be some value lost, whether you want to say it's for the steroids, whether you want to say it's for the injuries, whatever. There's still going to be some value lost. Give and- one of your best top prospects, Pereza, Volpe, or Dominguez, give one of them. Probably I would sh- push to Pereza, Pereza because Pereza is an all-world defensive player at that position. All-world. Everybody says this guy is the – he's an – Unbelievable. Now now they just have to figure out if he can hit. If he can hit, he's the starting shortstop for the Yankees. They're mm-hmm. going to move Volpe to the, the second base position. Right. Torres will be traded. Now, maybe you can trade Torres for Tatis as a part of a, That's a trade. That's interesting, yeah. You know, maybe you put Torres in the trade and, and you add maybe a prospect, maybe a Pereza, or maybe somebody else, and, 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 and then you can seal the deal and get Tatis. So Torres is still a quality player. He can hit for power. He can give you the power, like Tatis. And maybe bringing him and sending him over there to San Diego might, 
you know, change them. Maybe. Right, and that's what I was saying before. Like, do the Padres necessarily want prospects to make their work, too? Or do they want guys that can still contribute right now because they're already Torres. a really good team? Torres, maybe you get some pitchers to help out the bullpen and help the starting rotation, something like that. Maybe you trade some of those guys, too. Not not expensive ones, no. but guys that are younger that have some upside, too. Now, the Yankees, again, they're going to be reluctant to trade some of their super young ones. But, again, the, the ones that are controllable. They don't like to trade any of their bullpen young arms. They don't like to do it. And, and the Yankees have a good one in King. They're not trading. Yeah, there's no way they trade King. I, I mean, King, is he's a good one, and, and everybody knows he could be the future closer for the Yankees. And I, I have a feeling he is. I think the Yankees believe that he is going to be. Uh, you saw what he is. When you take him out of that bullpen, when he came out of that bullpen, that wasn't the same bullpen. It right. wasn't. It wasn't even close. You're talking about the best bullpen by far in baseball. So, you know, in the second half, it was one of the worst bullpens in baseball. So the Yankees obviously have some pieces. They they can – Schmidt looks like he's a good bullpen That's arm. That's what I was just going to ask you about. Would you do Schmidt in that kind of deal? Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe. The Yankees – They I've heard that they want to see if Schmidt is a future starter for this team mm-hmm. in this rotation. So um, – the Yankees are going to try a lot of different things this year if they can't get Rodon. Um, they have Cortez. They have Severino. This is still a pretty good pitching staff. You add Rodon, this is the best pitching staff in baseball. And, and, and you, I don't care what anybody says. You have a dominant right-hander and a dominant lefty, as you wanted to. And then you still have uh, Frankie Montez, who could be your fifth starter or your fourth starter. Okay, You have Cortez, who's absolutely your third starter going into the year. And Savarino, your fourth, and then you have you have the the guy that they they made a trade for, who at one point two years ago was one of the elite pitchers in baseball. Right. He was a top six, you know, Cy Young candidate. So um, you could have the best pitching staff in baseball. Yeah, the only reason I say multiple pitchers too potentially is the Padres have also been maybe you trade Frankie Montas. Maybe the the only reason I say that is because the Padres have also been trying to shop Mike Clevenger too because they paid him a lot of money, but he's been so he's been hurt all the time too. And the Padres found other guys without him. They just played paid Blake Snell too, who's been kind of underwhelming since they got his contract. Not bad, but definitely not to the same level they traded him for. I and think then they the, paid Musgrove too. I think the. The San Diego Padres and the Yankees are good trade partners. Mm-hmm. They really do because the Yankees have pieces that they can trade away. They could also trade uh, – what's his name again? Their outfielder um, um, Hicks. Hicks, yeah. Yeah. who they really don't need anymore, and he's he's affordable. Mm-hmm. And they could use another outfielder over there. So uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of you know moves that the Yankees and the Padres could do where it benefits both teams. Now, are they willing to do that? I, I do believe the Yankees are – Taking a flyer on Tatis, you know Brian Cashman is trying going to try to get Tatis for practically nothing. It's not going to work because they still believe. But obviously, making a move for uh, what's his name again from the Boston Red Sox, Bogarts, uh, yeah. Bogarts, and giving him the years and the money that they gave him, there has to be a reason why they did that. Not mm-hmm. to put him in the outfield. They have no reason to put him in the outfield. You're, you're talking about one of the better shortstops in baseball in Bogarts. And let's not forget, too, they were going to give Trey Turner a Francisco Lindor-like contract, too. Yes. Trey Turner wanted to go to the Phillies instead. The Padres' offer was $40 million I more. I think there's a reason why. I think they are giving up on Tatis. Uh-huh. I do. And Manny Machado and him don't really get along. And if they want Manny to be happy to, to re-sign with them, if he opts out of the contract and wants more, they got to do what's right for Manny because Manny is their leader. So 
I, I think Soto will be extended. I think they'll give Soto what he wants in the offseason. He's going to make a lot of money. Manny's going to want closer to uh, kind of like Aaron Judge. He's going to want, you know, $43, 44000000 million a year if he has another good year. And Soto's right. going to want more than that. Right. So they have to decide what they're doing with Tatis. And now, are the Yankees willing to take that contract? It is an affordable contract for the Yankees. It, $25 million for an, really an elite an elite shortstop when he was playing. Yes, and it, he maybe he wants to get out of Dodge. Maybe he wants to get out of San Diego. And and why not go to the Yankees where he is he has an opportunity to be the starting shortstop for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the Yankees could decide what they're doing with Volpe. They, they could maybe move Pereza in another trade or move him in that trade. And then Volpe goes to second and then you have you have your 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 shortstop in your second baseman for the future. So there's a lot of things the Yankees could do. I don't know if it's going to work out. It's going to be very interesting when you, when you try to compare and contrast where the Yankees go in the rest of this offseason if they do fall short on Rodon. I don't think they will. I, I think Rodon – there's a reason why Rodon hasn't signed with anybody. Now, there are, Car- there are stories that the Cardinals are interested. The Cardinals are not going to outbid the Yankees. They're not. They don't do that. The Cardinals don't outbid anybody. They get the guy that they want. Now, the Yankees, if they really want him, they'll get him. It's just the question is, is there a surprise team? Is there a secret team that's going to sneak right up and just snag him up? And and that's that's a good question. I uh, thought I thought Toronto was going to be that, and then no. they just got Bassett. So I don't know. They're done. Do that they're anymore. not because they already have enough pitching as it is. But they, <laughs> they they said they were in the market for another one. So they're 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 not. They operate very strangely. So I wouldn't have been surprised. But now that it is got the Yankees. It's the Yankees, the Cardinals, or the Giants. Okay, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. And now that the car, now that the Giants just gave three hundred and fifty million dollars to Correa, I don't know if they're going to be willing to pay. Uh, Rodon, uh, you know, closer to a two hundred million dollars. Yeah, contract. that doesn't seem like their mold. I think they're gonna do. They might. They might do another like semi decent. I hitter, think they but, knew they weren't getting Rodon, but they've been able to develop pitchers well, which I think is what they're trying to do with Manaya and the other ones that they signed this offseason. They're trying to rebirth them like they rebirthed Gossman, and then they let him walk. And he went to Toronto, and then they. I didn't say they rebirthed Rodon, but they kept his twenty twenty one season, which he broke out the same, and it kept it going, and now he's going to seek that big contract. It's it's very interesting. It really is, and and, and we were speaking about the Yankees and then the Mets, and then we're, we're, ta- we're speaking about San Diego and where San Diego goes and, and San Francisco. This is such an interesting offseason because the real change of scenery and, and change of power will be next year. It will be next year. Now, Josh believes that the Mets are going to go heavily after Otani. Heavily, if he becomes available next year. And that's great. And the Mets will be willing to give him $500 million. I don't know if Steve Cohen's going to. He says, well, Steve Cohen just made another $2 billion. That doesn't mean he's going to dig into his pockets to a team that can't win. And I, and I told that to Josh. I said, why would he go dig into his pockets if his team can't get out of the first round? Why would he do that? Why? He just spent over a billion and a half million dollars, a billion and a half, a billion and a half in two years with this Met team. Two years mm-hmm. they've spent that money. Now they just gave Nimmo eight-year, 167, which was a good contract. I'm not yeah. going to attack that. And they just gave their their pitchers. I mean, Max Scherzer, who's 40-something years old, plays like he's 60. I, I mean, you, you paid him a $43, $44 million contract. Now you gave uh, another pitcher who's at that age that kind of money. 
Yes, it's only two years. That's a lot of money. And it's also the same risk. I mean, yeah, Scherzer wasn't previously injury-prone either. Verlander has been earlier in his career, probably better now, but... You watch, like, he's going to be hurt this year. I believe it. It's the Mets. Everyone gets hurt. Of the you Mets. watch, he will be hurt this year. And Buck Walter, if they start off the season slow, you're going to hear boos and fire Buck. Right. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. That'll be New York fans in a nutshell. Not surprising. Everyone, everyone wants the coach fired immediately after one thing happens. But Buck Walter is the most stable the Mets have had with managerial ship in a long time. It's been perfect now, but again, I wouldn't go that far. He wasn't good in the playoffs. No, he wasn't. Uh, that's no, he that's wasn't. for sure. And he he's never been good in the playoffs. Go look at his playoff record. It's not something to brag about. No. And that's why the Yankees got rid of him. That's why Steinbrenner got rid of him. That's why uh, Arizona got rid of him. That's why... Uh, Texas got rid of him. That's mm-hmm. why Baltimore got rid of him. Right. Ron Washington was a he, World Series. He, yeah. he built all those teams, and then when they were ready to win, they got rid of him. Why? Because he couldn't win the big game. He made mistakes in those games that really stood out. In Arizona, I remember the Arizona game. Uh, when he was over there in Arizona for two years, three years. I think it was three years he was there. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Arizona I don't know. 2 or something like that, yeah. Yeah, he was there for two or three years. And I remember he rebuilt that team. He helped build those young players. And Didi Gregorius was one of them. If you guys remember Didi Gregorius. Uh, Buck was one of those guys that helped define and, and help, you know, deliver some of these young players. Right. And then when Buck decided, you know, when they decided to part ways with Buck, that was when that team started to win again. You know, yeah, so. Yeah, Melvin came in, right? Yeah. Yep. It, 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 he's always the clutch, you know, the break uh, of where this organization goes. And. I, I, so I say clutch and break. He's I say I say clutch because when you go into gear and you go into that next gear, you, you know you you got to hit that extra speed before mm-hmm. you can get into the next gear. As soon as you get out of second gear, Buck was gone. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way to describe it. So he's basically like the Marvin Lewis of MLB. Yeah, <laughs> because he's such a good player developer, yet in game, like he questions some of his coaching. He works decisions. really, and I think yeah. Beatty's going to he's going to work well with him. Uh, because I think Beatty, I think he figures out how to get these players to play for him. Um, I think Alvarez will figure things out on the buck because he's he's a good um, coach evaluator. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, player evaluator as a coach. So um, I, I think he understands the game very very well. I just don't know if he can get those those players to play. Be- you know, I, I play play better or not. Stronger enough to get where, you know, when it comes to winning a World Series and a championship. Right. That, that's but you're right. Individual players, he does do well. Yes, with he does. It, it, Look at Machado. Mm-hmm. Machado will tell you the reason why he is the player he is is because of Buck. I was going to say Josh Hamilton and Nelson Josh Cruz, Hamilton, too. Texas. Yes. Yeah. Jo- the- he helped, uh, you know, Josh Hamilton get out of that dark, you know, place he was when he left Tampa right. and he, his career was over. Uh-huh. It was Buck that helped transform, you know, uh, Josh Donaldson was a top prospect when Tampa drafted him years and years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, yes, I, I agree, and um, I think Buck is a smart man. I just don't know if he's a guy that you you're going to say for the long haul it's going to work. It never does. It never does for Buck. Yeah, it just and yeah, we you only have so much with the track record. If you're an older manager, one of these days it could come, but will it be too little, too late for the Mets who are already an old team? Do I think the Yankees win the World Series if Buck was there? I do. Okay, I do. I, I think Joe Torre or Buck Showalter. The only reason why, and if you know the story, and if you watch the Derek Jeter story, Buck was he he did he wasn't fired. Buck wanted his coaches on the bench in ninety five oh. and ninety six. 
he fought for those coaches. When when Steinbrenner said, we're picking your coaches, that was when Buck parted ways. He he pretty much quit. And he says, I'm not coming back. And then they couldn't find they, – they were interested in another manager. They fell f- short for him. I forget who it was. And George Steinbrenner reached out to Buck and practically begged Buck to come back. And Buck said no. And that's where Joe Torre came in. And Joe Torre was really a third or fourth option, and it worked out. Wow. I mean, it just happened to work out. And, and Derek actually said in that documentary for ESPN, he said – that Joe Torrey was the best guess option by George Steinbrenner in, in, in baseball history because he wasn't the first, he wasn't the second, he wasn't the third, he was the fourth. Oh. Hmm. You know, so he was a fourth option for the Yankees. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. And look what Joe Torrey, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer as a head coach. I mean, head manager. I, I mean, he's now he worked for baseball all these years and he's still in the league office yes, yeah. he he's you know he wouldn't be where he is today if it wasn't for him managing the Yankees and and it really was luck it was yeah. luck how everything fell together and and Steinbrenner really put it together it really is it's it, it's an amazing story and that's why check out Derek Cheater's documentary on ESPN it's a six part documentary i think it's six or seven it is fantastic it really is fantastic. I'm not a Derek Jeter fan, and I know if you watch, oh, we know. <laughs> if you watch the first or second, first episode is, eh. it really took for everything to really pick up and where it became so interesting when he first went to the playoffs and he rode the bench, Donnie's last year and, and everything like that. He really saw the under the understanding of where he wanted to be as a Yankee and how he wanted to find himself after Mattingly retired. So it's it's very interesting. And Donnie was on the show uh, on the document all the different different Yankees from, you know, a five year span. I mean, Wade Box was there, you know, different people spoke and, uh, and 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 spoke about the time that, you know, Tino Martinez where the Yankees each year or each sector of Derek Jeter's career on how this team was different from all the rest. Hmm. Very interesting. It was a very very interesting documentary. I I enjoyed it. Um we will be back tomorrow. Uh, we will have uh, we will go through our NFL Week 14 recap, which we usually never get to on our Wednesdays because there's so much to get into. So we'll get into that tomorrow. We'll we'll do our picks. Hopefully, Derek Mountain, will, our our friend uh, Mr. Mountain, will be with the us. The Jets, except not this week. He picked the Bills this week, so mm. you can't blame him for that one. Yeah. What was the record this week? I didn't look at the whole record. I know for the weekend crunch run we're even still because I got the Eagles over right and you got um and you got Detroit, so um we have two very special guests tomorrow. Oh yeah. Uh so who do we have? All right, nine fifteen. Jets fans, you'll love this one. We got ex Jets running back Bilal Powell who'll be joining us. One of my favorites. Yes. And then at ten o'clock we have former 49ers. Washington, Chicago Bears wide receiver, Josh Morgan will be joining us. So we have two ex-NFL players, two pretty good NFL players, mm-hmm. too, uh, for their respectable teams. So I'm very excited to have Bilal on the ch- show. Uh, Shout-out to our friend Lyle for reaching yes. out to us and telling us that Bilal would actually like to be interviewed uh, by other radio shows. So happy to get Bilal on, and I'm sure he'll be excited when he gets to know us and how funny we are. So. Uh, it's a star-studding show, uh, great show, and 
We'll get into a lot tomorrow, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, thank you to, obviously, Chris Lombardi for joining us. All 22 pre- premium fantasy football. We were supposed to have Jags pro ball wide receiver Jimmy Smith. One of these days we will. One of these days he'll finally actually commit to a time. <laughs> One of these days we'll have Jimmy Smith on the show. That would be fun, but... Uh, Lot, a lot of sports still to get into, and we'll get into it tomorrow. Until tomorrow, thank you to Jeff. Thank you to everybody that listens to our show. We will be back tomorrow night at 9 p.m. from here, live in Long Island, live in profile. Yeah, I like that. Live and profiling. You like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's not styling profiling. It's, yeah, we use that one too much. Yes. Well, that's, that's, Rick, that's Rick Flair. No, so. I know, but you, it's good to change it up once in a while. There you go. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Good night. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.